Welcome to the Morally Flexible Podcast. My name is Josh and I am your host. My guest host tonight, he and I run in similar social circles as far as the the interwebs are concerned. He's also a pop culture savant like I am. He goes by the handle Rodimus Prime. However, there's no fucking way I'm going to call him that. So I will call him Rodney. Rodney, how you doing tonight? I am doing great. I always find it hilarious when people have to say, I'm having Rodimus Prime on the podcast tonight. It's kind of fun. I There are times I have to stop myself from calling you Hot Rod, but in the Transformers world, I know that would be kind of an insult. Well, or you're hitting on me, one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm sure uh, most people are, are not aware of why Mike isn't here this evening. Um, so I'll share a story. Mike is going to have to take a hiatus for a couple of weeks. He is fine and in good form, good health. He's got no problems. The problem is, is his uh, employer is being a piece of shit right now and will not allow him to have a consistent schedule, which would allow him to record. So I said, Mike, I'm not recording on Thursday nights because yeah, I'm not. So anyways, that's why we're going to have some guest hosts over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, we have Rodney tonight. Uh, Miss Angie will be returning uh, next episode. So um, yeah. However, because of this, I have a couple slots open for people that if they are interested in coming and guest hosting on the show, no experience really required. You just need to be able to put up with me rambling on in a drunken state for a few hours at a time. So that's that's kind of the thing. So I have open slots open for uh, March 16th and March 24th. Those are both uh, Wednesdays. Uh, we typically record between 6.30 p.m. and 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So let's keep that out there, shall we? I've got some interest, but... Yeah, we'll see what happens. I have a huge announcement today, Rodney. Oh, yeah? Good, I hope. Guess, I a good announcement. Guess how many Twitter followers we have as of today. All five. 101! Woo! <laughs> yes, we have broken the 100 mark. Finally, we added uh, five followers uh, just today. Uh, we've got John Brooks, a nefarious nightmare podcast, Mr. Eight at Eight, Alamon, and Homicide Worldwide podcast. So we have finally, finally broken the fucking barrier and gotten to over 100 here. So thank you, everybody, for being involved. I even got some comments from one of our follow new followers, Mr. Eight at Eight, and his comment was, either talk about Hacksaw Jim Duggan or drop the wrestling talk. That must be in response to our uh, WWE question last episode. So in the spirit of wanting to continue the wrestling conversation, I will talk about Hacksaw Jim Duggan for, uh, I don't know, about four sentences here. So my first encounter with Hacksaw Jim Duggan was WrestleMania 5. He had a match with Bad News Brown. 
The only reason I remember it is because uh, at the end of the match, Hacksaw ended up with a giant booger coming out of his nose uh, in his mustache. And it took him about five minutes to realize that he had it there. And then I think he swallowed it. I can't remember. But that was that that's my Hacksaw Jim Duggan story. You, you know who Hacksaw is, Rodney, don't you? Didn't he come out on the stage with like a four by four in his that's hand? That's him. That's and Hacksaw. An American flag. Yep, that is Hacksaw. He was in the WWE from uh, 1987 to 1993, and then he went to uh, WCW from 94 to 2001. He did once uh, WWE bought out WCW. He went to TNA for about three years. Went back to WWE uh, for 2005 to 2009, where and then he was inducted in the uh, WWE Hall of Fame in 2011. The man is still alive. He is 68 years old. He has a wife, two kids. Lives in Glen Falls, New York. He had uh, was uh, announced he had prostate cancer back in October 2021, but reported he was cancer free in December of 2021. So there you go. I talked about Hacksaw Jim Duggan. We will continue the WWE talk on the show. Hope you're happy, Mr. 8 at 8. I was more of a NWO, Wolfpack, Red and Black era. Oh, Jesus. Watching the old wrestling. That was one of the most confusing eras of, eras of wrestling ever. I didn't know. I, I The NWO was fine by itself, but when they started adding Wolfpack, Red and Black, I that's when they lost me. Yeah, I was a big Sting fan. I don't know. I guess paint your face. I couldn't understand. Did it for me back then. I couldn't figure out what side he was on half the time. Yeah. I just think he wants to be in the crow, and that's about it. Yes, I think that's that's where he ended up with. It was a nice gimmick. I, I enjoyed it very much. It's unfortunate that his uh, brief comeback in WWE was cut short. But, hey, they tried. So I want to tell the audience a funny little story about you, Rodney, because you have been on the show before. Yeah, yes, yes, I have. However, people are sitting there going, we've never heard of Rodney before. That's right, because Rodney was a part of the Lost episode. Way back uh, after Talon left, it was in the, I think, in one of the episodes in the mid-20s, uh, Rodney was scheduled to come on. We did. We recorded for about a half an hour. And then I had a family emergency come up and I had to bail and it took us this long to reconnect. And that's my fault, not yours, but uh, it took us this long to reconnect, to get you back on. So I am very happy that uh, you were able to join me today and you know why? What, what, what's, why is that? Because we now have the opportunity to talk about what we were going to talk about initially, which was uh, Batman and Robin 1997. Oh, back when I was a good 12-year-old young lad. Oh, my God. You're a fucking child. Jesus. So, yes, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, in the kids' corner, I failed miserably. I We, we kind of came up with things at, at the last minute, and I was not able to watch the movie that uh, Rodney was so kind to suggest. He sat through it, and I feel bad. Which uh, Which movie was that going to be, Rodney? It's Extinct on Netflix about donut cats people and time travel you would have hated it it I, was terrible time travel logic i probably would have hated it but uh so maybe i'll, I'll give you Ro- tourists hate time travel movies don't you i i yeah for the most part i dislike them they're the whole the paradox thing just drives me fucking crazy and some movies do it well 
while others fail miserably. So it, it just depends on the film. I'm fairly certain that a movie about animals shaped like donuts is probably going to piss me off, but we'll see. I will There's wa- a funny line that I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up because you would get a kick out of it. The One of the characters is a dog, and it's like a fluffy little white cute bastard, right? And he's like explaining what he is in t- after he travels back in time and he's meeting these these cat dog people or these round donut cat people. Anyways, he's like, I'm I'm part poodle and well, let's just say my mom was social. <laughs> and I fucking died laughing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, here we go. Here's what we're gonna do. When we get to the kids corner segment, I'll give you five minutes to talk about the movie and I'll comment and laugh and, and we'll be done with it at that point. What do you, what do you say to that? That way I can say I had, that that way I could say we had kids corner and I did not omit it. That sounds good. I I can handle that much. Okay, perfect. So I have to thank the audience. I I know this intro is taking for fucking ever, but uh, thank you everybody who has um, listened to me, bitch, whine, moan, and plead to get uh, over 100 uh, Twitter followers. We did it. Yay. Go team. I'm sure we'll lose three after this episode, but that's fine. It just goes to show that if you piss, whine, and moan enough, people will respond to you. So if you want to get a hold of us, it's contact at morallyflexiblepodcast.com. Facebook is the Morally Flexible Podcast. Twitter at the Morally Instagram morally flexible underscore that instagram is actually morally underscore flexible underscore underscore podcast Mm, the whiskey's getting there and uh we are on anchor.fm forward slash morally flexible podcast hey drinks well as you can all tell i've already started drinking this evening because i can't pronounce the name of the show so this evening I am going with the old standby, the two gingers, because whenever no one's here, I'm buying the cheapest shit that I can. Rodney, what are you drinking tonight, or are you? So normally I am not a drinker, and we talked about this back in the lost episode. That's right. You and are you are not. So, but since then I have a buddy that is a very big. Uh, scotch drinker and he drinks of scotch and whiskey whatever there's a slight difference right i believe big in how they're made yes j- just a little bit so what uh, he so he got you onto scotch that's good it's a start he, he's trying to so i have a bottle of uh buffalo buffalo trace is this scotch or whiskey i have to go get the bottle it's up in the cabinet behind me so i have a little of that poured but i also have a rum and coke so i'm trying to do sip and then drink and sip and drink as I start to build a tolerance to drinking um, adult male drinks. What What is your usual go-to? I'm normally just a beer drinker. I'll drink a beer here and there with friends or at a party, but normally I'm, I like fruity, sweet stuff. That's sorry. A, no, there's no, there's no need to apologize, sir. I got my start, my start in uh, strawberry daiquiris, but that's okay. Uh, yes, I do know Buffalo Trace. That is actually a bourbon. That is not a scotch. That oh, is, well, that there you is, go. See, I don't is, even know what I'm drinking. That's okay. That is made in the uh, the good old United States of America. But uh, if you like bourbon, that's that's perfectly fine. Uh, enjoy. There there are all, many facets to alcoholism, and uh, you can get there in many ways. So get on it. Uh, let's do a little news, shall we? 
Welcome to the weekly report for Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Well, we got a lot going on this week. Some of it good, some of it bad. But hey, here's the good news. No obituaries this week, or at least no one that I cared about. So do you have any obituaries this week, Rodney? Um, no, not nobody that I know of died. I stay off of the, the interwebs for the most part and the news. It's probably a good idea. <laughs> you're you're, you're probably a happier person for it. So we did get uh, a final trailer for Morbius, or at least until they, you know, move the, you know, release date back again, and then we'll probably get a final, final trailer, but whatever. We got another Morbius trailer. Yay. The adventures of a PG-13 vampire. So excited. Aren't you, Rodney? Well, the, his face, like, I, I saw bits and pieces of the new trailer um, popped up in some of, like, the YouTube shit that kind of fans through when you're on there. But um, his face does not look PG-13. So why the fuck did they make it PG-13? I, I have no idea. But it's, well, I no, I have an idea. They do it because they want to drag as many people into it as possible. And if you do an R rating, you're slashing your audience uh, a bit. No, Deadpool, didn't Deadpool do gangbusters? Deadpool De 1 and 2? But Deadpool, would if Deadpool had been PG-13 and they were able to do what they did in the R-rated version, I know that makes no sense, but if they were able to be a PG-13 movie, that movie would have made a billion dollars. That's the thing. Having an R rate, R rating, it, it does slash your audience. Yes, kids kids sneak in and whatnot, but there's they, they lose a, a, a fairly significant number of their audience because they can't go into the theater to see it. I suppose, but that awkward sex scene in uh, Eternals still got a good PG rating, and I'm sure some parents were pissed off about that. Which I don't understand. I wasn't aroused by that in any way, shape, or form. I mean, come on. Jesus. It was terrible. Yeah, the, the camera was at least six inches too too far north. That was that wasn't even like Cinemax quality stuff. I I was very disappointed by that and the rest of the movie. But uh, it reminded me of awkward like high school makeout sessions. Exactly. Yes, that's probably why I was repulsed by it. Too many bad memories. They are definitely in this uh, Morbius trailer trying to uh, turn up the Michael Keaton heat as much as they can. They added, uh, he, he gets kind of some voiceover and a, and a couple of pop-up scenes in it more than he has in the other trailers. This is the sign, a sign of desperation as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> It, it muddies the waters too with the multiverse stuff and the last Spider-Man movie. And how is, is he? Yes. How is, is he in the Venomverse? Is he not in the Venomverse? How is, is where is he at? How is Tombs in this? That's what doesn't make sense because No Way Home clearly established that Venom is not in that universe. So how can a how can the Vulture who is in the MCU Spider-Man universe? Also, be in the Venom universe. I, I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, there's. You mean the spunk, spunk thing that you do in your pants, whatever they call it, Sony's Marvel, whatever, Spuncy or whatever they call their damn universe. Sure. Yes, the so Sony. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I. I. Yeah. I. I don't know what their their plan is here. I really thought 
and was one of the aspects of No Way Home I was disappointed with that we'd, we would straighten some of this shit out. But Sony is going to be Sony, and they want their own little universe unto themselves so they can make shitty, mediocre movies. And I don't blame Kevin Feige. I wouldn't want those movies associated with my you know film empire either. So I guess it's a win-win on both sides. Obviously, Venom and, and you know Let There Be Carnage did pretty well. Uh, Morbius, I, I've said this many, many times before, is not going to do well. Uh, despite the fact that it does have Matt Smith in it, and they actually let him say something in this trailer. But if you want an indication of how bad this movie is going to be, they had to throw a little joke in at the end of the trailer, the little holy water joke. Uh, did you watch the trailer, Rodney? I know I sent it to you, but you, no, I have, uh, I have not. I, I, I haven't I, seen it all. The way I figured ago. you wouldn't, because you're like, yeah, good, glad somebody's talking about this shit. Um, I have no desire to watch this movie. I, I think that Sony's going to make money off of these because they're banking on the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the random person isn't going to know that this shit is not the same quality. Well, they know that they're in a bind right now. When when this, when Let There Be Carnage came out, they had a little bit of wiggle room because there wasn't a lot of movies coming out in the theater at that point. So they were fairly semi-confident that dropping it was going to make its money. And it still, it did okay, but it did COVID okay, which not okay. This one, it keeps getting moved around because they're trying to find the right spot to drop this. And they keep pushing it back and pushing it back. Well, it's going to start buttoning into some other stuff, you know, MCU properties in particular, and it's going to get buried in the shuffle. So I, I just, I don't see this making a lot of money. I, I think critically it's going to get destroyed, but hey, fuck it. Go for it. Go ahead and ruin your universe. Looking forward to that Craven the Hunter movie, aren't you? No, I think they should just sell it all back to Disney, but they're not gonna. I wish they would. I really do. I, it, Cause we, we all know Feige would do much better with all of these characters than Sony ever would. But uh, you know, I don't have a billion dollar empire, so I have no fucking idea. Hey, moving on, uh, we got another trailer for Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore. Boy, oh boy, Eddie Redmayne has really been pushed to the back in this one. He is going to be completely inconsequential in this film. <laughs> if this trailer is any indication of that, his character is going to be completely like have <laughs> five minutes in the movie. Oh, they're they're definitely shifting away from him for whatever reason. I thought he was fantastic in the first one. I thought it was a good movie, but they they're trying to build this giant Harry Potter esque series of movies, and it should it, it's okay to be standalone movies. People, we don't all have to be the MCU. No, it it doesn't necessarily have to be a Harry Potter connected universe. But I have to admit. When I heard about the first one, Eddie Redmayne, it's a it's a prequel. It's the, and I was like, I don't fucking care, and I still haven't watched them. But now they introduce, you know, obviously Jude Law came in and was a younger Dumbledore in the last film, and now watching this trailer, this was the first trailer. I'm like, shit, I might have to watch this because uh, Jude Law looks like a fucking pimp in this, and I love Mads Mikkelsen and those two facing off against each other. I'm kind of down for that. The problem with you're going to watch the first one and you're going to say, Oh my God, Colin Farrow did a, an amazing job. And then 
there's a switch at the end. I don't know if you're aware of. He turns into be like what it, the fuck. It's Johnny Depp, right? He turns into Johnny yeah, Depp. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so like, I think he did such a good job. I wish he was Grindelwald, and. I, I read the books, you know, I read all of the Harry Potter books and I've read a lot of the attachment stuff. I know some of the history and stuff, but I don't need this shit. Like, I don't need this at all. I, it, I think what I will end up doing is I will watch some type of recap video on YouTube that maybe spends 15 minutes on the first two films. So I have some explanation as to who these fucking people are. And then I'll just watch the third one. I'm not going to go to the theater to watch this. This Let's be real. It's not happening, but I, I will grab this when it hits Redbox and check it out. So, all right, moving on. Well, it's, it has been a tumultuous week. Monday came the announcement that Netflix had removed all of the Daredevil Defenders Universe shows, and people were freaking the fuck out because it was done, it was gone. And then Tuesday came along and the announcement came out that, oh, yeah, all that shit's going to go to Disney+. Plus. Uh, it'll be there uh, March 16th. So everybody calm the fuck down. So there was a huge sigh of relief on everybody's part. How su- Did they announce, like, a, a section, like an adult section so of Disney Plus with that? That was part of the announcement is that they will be changing, updating the uh, parental controls on uh, the app. They're kind of arbitrary. I don't know if you've done that with your little one. I have two little ones, and so... I put the parental control on and made their their own little icon so they can do what they want on it. And some of the content that they they screen out for kids, in my opinion, isn't that bad. So it'll be interesting to see what they change. No, I I, I, I thought it excluded some some content that didn't need to be excluded. That that's uh, th- when I set that up for my little one. I, I was like, really? They're you're not going to let them watch that? That's not an okay movie. So um, yeah, I. I'm a little confused because I thought Hulu was going to get all the the you know mature content stuff on the on the Marvel side of things. So I'm I'm yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, that, that's what makes natural sense to me. But unless they're going to try to absorb it all into one, which I'm fine with that. I would love an excuse to get rid of Hulu. I I mean, but that, honestly, that was one of the not the main reason, but one of the the more primary reasons of why I've kept Hulu was because I thought that that's, that's where all of their MA shit was going to go. Yeah, I, I live in bumpfuck Egypt in the middle of cornfields, like literally, so I don't have Comcast, so I have to use like a streaming TV-based service, and so I use Hulu Live or Hulu Plus, whatever it is, and so I'm kind of stuck with it. So I, I just assume that the adult Disney stuff would go there, and I'd just be like, okay, that's cool. So I was going to talk about uh, the show 1883. Uh, this is that Yellowstone prequel. Rodney, have you watched that? No, I have not. Okay. I was going to sing its praises and I was going to talk about how much I loved it. But then uh, one of the stars, uh, Sam Elliott, decided to shove his foot down his fucking throat this week. So now I got to talk about that. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, uh, but this is from Variety. Uh, Sam Elliott railed against Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog during his visit to Mark Maron's podcast. I'm not going to say the name of the podcast because it doesn't need any more fucking advertisement. It's fine. Elliott called the film a piece of shit and seemed bothered by how the film deconstructs classic Western archetypes such as cowboys. Elliott compared Campion's cowboys to Chippendale dancers who wear bow ties and not much else. 
to quote Mr. Elliot, that's what all these fucking cowboys in that movie look like. They're running around in chaps and no shirts. There's all these illusions of homosexuality throughout the movie. Marin told Elliot that these themes are what the movie is about, but Elliot remained critical of Campion's approach to the Western genre. To quote Elliot, where's the Western in this Western? I mean, Cumberbatch never got out of his fucking chaps. He had two pairs of chaps, a woolly pair and a leather pair. And every fucking time he would walk in from somewhere, he never was on a horse, maybe once. He'd walk into the fucking house, storm up the fucking stairs, go lay in his bed, in his chaps and play his banjo. It's like, what the fuck? Elliot said of Campion, what the fuck does this woman from down there know about the American West? Why the fuck did she shoot this movie in New Zealand and call it Montana and say this is the way it was? That fucking rubbed me the wrong way. Elliot added, I just came from Texas where I was hanging out with families, not men, but families, big, long, extended, multiple generation families that made their living and their lives were all about being cowboys. And boy, when I fucking saw that movie, I thought, what the fuck? Where are we in this world today? However, Elliot did call Campion a brilliant filmmaker, despite not agreeing with her overall approach to the genre. Jesus fucking Christ, Sam. Shut the fuck up. Wow. I, I think when we hit a certain age, they should take the internet away from us. I, dude, it's okay to go, yeah, I didn't like the movie. It wasn't my thing. Done. Okay? You don't need to dive into this fucking diatribe about what kind of chaps he's wearing in the fucking, <laughs> Oh, he only has two types of chaps, dude, Sam. I watched 1883. It was like a fucking 10, what? Seven. I don't know how many fucking episodes it was. You're wearing the same goddamn thing every episode in that. And that was supposed to take over the course of many months. So should, should I get mad about that? And it's, yeah, I mean, most movies keep costumes very simple or similar just so that way we, the audience don't get confused. Right. And I'm sorry, Sam, I, I, I know you're trying to be the uh, end-all, be-all expert as far as what went on in the West between the 18 to early 1900s, um, which, by the way, this movie set in, uh, or um, uh, Power of the Dog was set in, uh, what, 1925? So a little bit later, just the, kind of the ending of the West, you know, that was like the, the kind of the twilight for the the uh the ranchers and and everybody else so yeah things were changing and oh yeah hey sam can you not come off as a raging fucking homophobe get the fuck over it dude did you did, rodney did you see uh power of the dog no i am not a western person i don't like westerns the farthest western i get is tombstone which is just good times that's just, a fucking I'm yes. your Huckleberry. Beautiful movie, which happens to have Sam Elliott in it. And hey, Sam, guess what? That movie was so historically inaccurate, it made my fucking head spin. But I still enjoyed the movie. <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah, that movie exactly. was 100% bullshit as far as Wyatt Earp was concerned and most of the other shit that went along with that. But hey, Sam Elliott was okay with that, right? I, I, I don't know. The only other Sam Elliott thing I'm familiar with is Roadhouse. And uh, Roadhouse, hell yeah. Okay, good. I was going to say, don't you dare say a fucking nasty word about Roadhouse. Uh, this no. this show would have been, this would have been another lost episode had you had something bad to say about Roadhouse. <laughs> but good boy, good boy. No, fuck, no. That is an amazing, that is a, a national treasure uh, of a movie. It is. Amen, brother. Amen. This, this is uh, required watching for any true uh, uh, 
action aficionado. You have to have to watch that movie. But yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head. Folks get older, they get dumber, and they get so stuck in their fucking ways. That was a good movie. And as far as the allusions to homosexuality, it was done with the utmost of delicate care. They did not hammer you over the head with it. It was very subtle. It was very powerful. It was it, it was a great movie. I loved it. And it really wasn't a romance because ultimately at the end, the spoiler, sorry, Rodney, uh, at, at the end, the kid basically was just not trying to have a relationship with Cumberbatch. He was trying to fucking kill him. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. You guys reviewed that one. I think I've, we, I, you guys reviewed that one. We did. You know, I remember listening to that. We so, did. Yeah. We did. And and we, I, Mike and I liked the movie very much. It was It was a great film. It, Cumberbatch was a just a right old bastard in it, but I I also wasn't sitting there uh, critiquing every fucking thing that went on in it as far as uh, what kind of chaps they fucking had on. I was uh, more interested in the acting and the storyline, which were both good. So, yeah, Sam, shut the fuck up. You're gonna be that guy, another one of those people that I can admire the work, but I can't, but I don't like the person. And I, and it's I, a product of the times. Like if you think about it, you know, he's been canceled as a cisgender white male, you know, heterosexual. And he's probably just like fed up with people telling him he's wrong. And so he lashed out and probably shouldn't have and should have just kept his mouth shut and just fucking went about his business. But unfortunately, the, the modern world is who barks loudest and who barks last wins. Well, I, I think in, in his in any of these cases, when this type of stuff comes up, it, it, it's fine to have a discussion about it. I, I, I don't think there's anything is off the table when it comes to a discussion. That's fine. If you disagree with how things are done, that's fine. But this is I mean, he's blown up now. I haven't listened to the interview, but just from the quotes that I've read, it's like he seemed to have really gone off on on this whole fucking thing. And even I, I, I feel bad for Mark Marin, and I never thought I would say that because I'm sure he's sitting there in his seat just cringing the entire time he's, <laughs> you know, uh, Sam Elliott's going off on that rant. But, you know, there, there, there's a way to, to address discourse and have conversations about these things where it doesn't end up into a fuck this, fuck that piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Wooly pair and leather pair of chaps. Anyways, fuck it. But yes, 1883 was a really good show. Suggest you try it out. Uh, I have not watched Yellowstone because it seems like a soap opera, but 1883 was actually very good. If you're a fan of Lonesome Dove, I think you'll like 1883. It's on uh, Paramount Plus, by the way. Hey, speaking of Paramount, it was announced uh, Paramount, Sony, and Disney have suspended film releases in Russia. Warner Brothers straight up yanked the release of The Batman. Wow. Yeah, right? They're putting their foot down. Oh, Jesus. Ugh. Well done, sir. That dad joke. Well done. I'm no, well, well done. You got it in there. I'm proud of you. That's good. It's not surprising. I think everybody is pulling everything from Russia. Okay, I'm fine. I got no beef with that. It's all a bunch of bullshit. Thought, is that shit still going on? I stay away from the news, man. I really oh. don't. I have no idea if that's still, they're fighting or what they're doing right they, now. They are, and it's intensifying. We will get into this during therapy time because I have some thoughts. So I, I promise okay. we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. 
So another announcement, it would appear that the Beetlejuice sequel is going to get rolling here. Uh, Looks like Plan B Entertainment, that's uh, the production company that I think Brad Pitt has a hand in, is lined up to produce Beetlejuice 2. Both Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder are expected to reprise their roles. Well, I mean, at least Michael Keaton isn't an actual ghost. I, yeah, right. If Tim Burton's not involved in this, I don't want this movie. And they have, they have not confirmed yet if he's involved. Oh, I just assumed he was. No, he's got other shit going on. I know he's got that Wednesday Adams series or mini series or whatever for uh, Netflix he's doing, but uh, they're talking about this uh, could potentially start filming as early as summer of this year. So that's going to cut into the Wednesday show. So in my opinion, that means that uh, Burton's not going to be involved in this. And thus, I want nothing to do with this. I don't know who's clamoring for this. Like what, what person wants this at this point in time? I, I don't know. Because I wasn't. The, the Beetlejuice is another one of those movies that it's a one-off. You, it's perfect just the way it is. You don't need anything any more of it. You, I mean, shit, you got a cartoon. Remember the Beetlejuice cartoon? Or were you too young for that? Oh, no, I remember the Beetlejuice cartoon. Good. Well, here's the what-the-fuck story of the week. Uh, so... Entertainment Weekly released an article that uh, the, of an interview they had with Charlize Theron. And in that article, it, she said that she was scared shitless uh, while working with Tom Hardy during filming of Mad Max Fury Road. So scared that she actually had to get uh, prote- private protection from him. So strap in for this one. And this is from Entertainment Weekly. When Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron filmed Mad Max Fury Road back in 2015, they didn't mince words about the struggles that came with their filming experience. Now, a new oral history book has shed some light on the behind-the-scenes drama of George Miller's action film, including one specific onset incident that changed the game. In an excerpt from Kyle Buchanan's Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, published by Vanity Fair, Cast and crew detailed the bad blood between the two leading actors, citing everything from different approaches to acting to just general animosity and distrust and opening up on the day that changed everything. Camera operator Mark whatever the fuck recalled how everything started when Theron showed up for her 8 p.m. call time, knowing full well that Hardy, who was notoriously late, wouldn't show up until later. Whether that was some kind of power play or not, I don't know, but it felt deliberately provocative. If you ask me, he kind of knew that it was really pissing Charlize off because she's professional and she turns up really early, added first assistant cameraman who gives a fuck. When Hardy did show up three hours late, Theron, who had been waiting with full costume and makeup on the entire time, let loose. She jumps out of the war rig and she starts swearing her head off at him, saying, fine, the fucking cunt. A hundred thousand dollars for every minute that he's held up this crew and how disrespectful you are. She was right, full rant. She screams it out. It's so loud. It's so windy. He might have heard some of it, but he charged up to her and went, what did you say to me? He was quite aggressive. She really felt threatened. The camera operator noted that particular incident was the turning point in the two actors' fraught relationship as Theron put her foot down and told the crew she wanted protection. It got, it got to a place where it was kind of out of hand and there was a sense that maybe sending a woman producer 
down could maybe equalize some of it because I didn't feel safe. Theron recounts in the oral history book. She was assigned a female producer, though that producer, a woman named Denise Denovi, was barred from actually setting foot on the set by another producer named Doug Mitchell. She was parked in the production office and she was checking in with me and we would talk. But when I was on set, I still felt pretty naked and alone, Theron admitted. We're almost there, guys. I don't want to make excuses for bad behavior, but it was a tough shoot, Theron reflected. Now I have a very clear perspective on what went down. I don't think I had that clarity when we were making the movie. I was in survival mode. I was really scared shitless. Hardy, for his part, admitted to his erratic behavior, saying, I was in over my head in many ways. While that what's done is done and the clashes between Theron and Hardy will likely be written in movie history books for years to come, the actor agreed that he could have handled the situation better. I love that. The pressure on both of us was overwhelming at times. What she needed was a better, perhaps more experienced partner in me. That's something that can't be faked. He continued, I'd like to think that now that I'm older and uglier, I could rise to that occasion. Jesus Christ, man. (laughs) I remember when I watched that movie getting the sense that something was amiss just in the way that he was acting. There are certain movies you watch and you're like, this actor isn't as invested or isn't like putting on their best performance. I mean, granted he had a muzzle on for half of that movie, but I don't know. I just always got the impression that that was not his favorite thing to do. And that would, that would explain it. Well, that wasn't a Mad Max movie. That was a Furiosa movie. I mean, Max did very little in that film. That that was a Charlize Theron fucking vehicle. And I'm sure Tom Hardy signed on thinking, hey, I get to be fucking Mad Max. This is going to be awesome. And he gets kind of, I'm not saying he got thrown to the back of the uh, the bus there, but she certainly got a more interesting part in that movie than, than he did. Does that excuse his behavior? No. Is Tom Hardy an absolute pain in the ass to work with? Totally. He's another one of those super fucking method guys who is, is I've read nothing but horror stories about people that have worked with him, but your, 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 uh, who's the guy, your agent should have read the script and been like, well, this is not necessarily a good movie for you. And like done something about that. I, I agree. But the part of the problem is, is these, a lot of these guys will sign on for these without ever reading the script they're neither the them nor their agents end up reading the script because it's oh fuck it's mad max it's george george miller's i'm gonna sign on the dotted line it's like being offered a part in fucking uh god terrence stamp has this wonderful story about you know working on star wars episode one and you know signing on thinking he was going to get to be in star wars he could work with natalie portman he never had a scene with her where she was on the set with him you know, these, these folks get these, I'm not going to call it a prestige project, but they get these, these projects that they're super fucking excited about because it's some type of IP that they enjoy. And then it ends up being this horrible experience because they didn't really realize what they were getting into. Yeah. Um, Idris Elba in Thor and Natalie Portman in Thor both notoriously hated getting into those. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, it's not often that they sit, that they will actually read the scripts. If it's that, I mean, because you get offered, offered a Marvel movie and you're not, I'm not saying you're a, a, you know, a C-list actor, but if you're kind of B-level actor 
and Marvel comes calling and says, hey, we, we've got a part for you in this film. Are you going to turn it down? No, you're going to fucking do it sight unseen. Because yeah, and was it Branagh? Branagh was the one that directed that one, I believe. Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth did the first Thor. Yeah. Yeah. So I I couldn't see. I wouldn't pass it up. Yeah, agreed. So, and I think that's what happened with with uh, you know Fury Road. I think that Tom Hardy was number one. He's the type. He his acting style probably clashed with uh, Shirley Theron. Uh, and also, I'm sure he was pretty salty the entire fucking time he did the movie because that was not, I think, what he anticipated he was going to end up doing. Not an excuse for Tom Hardy. Don't be an asshole. I mean, ultimately. But, hey. He was in Bronson, so he can pretty much do what he wants as far as I... Oh, and he was Bane, too, and Legend. And, and, and he's in a shitty Venom movie twice. I'm I'm sorry. I've I've His judgments clouded. I have completely shut those out of my mind. I those are awful I, movies. They're not good. They're not good. They're, Let there be carnage was so bad it was good type of thing. That's that's where that was. So I I have oh I actually I do have one more thing and this is for Mike and Mike if you're listening, um, I just wanted to make sure you're aware. Evil dies in 227 days, Mike. Okay, that's for you. Sorry, you couldn't be here tonight to hear that. Hey, Ro- <laughs> hey, Ronnie, you got anything for me? Uh, two things. One, one I kind of find funny, right? With the Pam and Tommy show, and then there's that new documentary series that goes over like the leaking of the Pam and Tommy video. With all of that coming out, Pamela herself has actually signed a, a deal with Netflix to make her own documentary series. To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. I have not watched the uh, Pam and Tommy series yet. I keep putting it off, and I don't know why, because I, I, I love Sebastian Stan for obvious reasons, and I do enjoy Lily James. And I love that story, and I just want to see Nick Offerman with a mullet. So, uh, but I, I've heard it's good. I don't know. Have you watched any of it? No, it's not my thing. I don't give a shit about that. But from what I hear, there's like just straight up fabricated events of, uh, you know, like Pam driving a car into paparazzi and, and overblowing some of the portrayal of what happened during that time period. So I wonder how pissed she was at how untrue and unfaithful that was a representation of what happened. And rightfully so, she got the raw end of that that deal, right? Everybody was like, yeah, Tommy, yeah. And then they're like, oh, Pam, you're a slut. Yeah, which I didn't understand. I thought her performance was amazing. She did great in that video. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand the problem. I don't get it. That was her, her her best film acting. It actually was, as a matter of fact. Now, look, Barbed Wire was great. Don't get me wrong. It was a good movie. But... I, I was just trying to mentally think of the title of that damn yes. movie. Yes, no, Barbed Wire is amazing. One of the greatest opening credit sequences ever. But uh, no, the uh, the Pam and Tommy video, she was, she was much better than that. But hey, this gives her an excuse to get back in the spotlight again. She should be grateful. Cause... Yeah, I mean, hey. Yeah, get, get a paycheck, girl. Get it. She was uh, f- kind of fading into obscurity there, so she should be 
thanking her lucky stars that she was able to uh, kind of ride the wave of, of this new uh, new series coming out. And that's great. Hey, put out a documentary setting the story straight. I don't care. I mean, Tiger King had its 10 minutes. It'll get yours. <laughs> right? <laughs> Except we're not in the... Th- the deep throes of a pandemic right now. So yeah. Right. <laughs> and then the only other thing, have you seen the trailer for the movie bullet train? Oh, I haven't. Is that, is that the one with Brad Pitt? Yeah. Oh, it I, looks I, amazing. It looks like John wick on a train in one night. Fucking meant to watch it. Fucking meant to watch it. Hey, I got an idea. Real it's got quick. a pretty good fucking cast. It's got Aaron Taylor Johnson, um, Sandra Bullock, supposedly in it. Zazie Beats, um, Michael Shannon, Brian Tyree Henry, Holy Haruki shit. Uh, Sonata. You, you know who Haruki Sonata is? Oh, yeah. And uh, Andrew Koji. And Andrew Koji is in that TV series on Stars, I think it is, called Warrior. He's fucking amazing in that. And he was in that terrible G.I. Joe movie that just came out. Oh, Snake, Snake Eyes? Eyes? Yeah. I think he played the bad guy, which would have been uh, what the hell's the bad guy's name? Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. See, I was not a GI Joe guy. I, I didn't watch. So he played Storm Shadow. Yeah, I I didn't watch that movie anyway, so it really doesn't matter. So I decided to stop things for a second so I could watch the trailer. Holy fucking shit! Does that look amazing? Oh my god! Yes, I cannot wait. <laughs> I got a smoking aces kind of kung fu hustle feel on this yeah it, it definitely smoking aces i can see that it, it feels a lot like an aloof uh um john wick like he's an aloof john wick that wants to retire because he's a little bit older basically and and he's on a train and he's doing this job but he doesn't want to hurt people no more yeah oh my god in that cast holy shit that's that's yeah. an amazing cast, and you've got uh, David Leach directing, which that's a good fucking choice. And obviously, it looks like we got a couple uh, a couple of uh, Deadpool two alumni in there, so that that works out as well. But yeah, man, fuck, I'm in. I'm all down for that. That looks like a lot of. I fun. saw that trailer and I was like, I need action brad pitt movie and so i went and watched uh mr and mr mrs smith and i was like why did they not make a series out of this movie uh, but yes brad pitt i've always loved him in action roles he this this will be fucking good it'll be fucking amazing now i have to ask did you mr and mrs smith do you watch the the director's cut version or the theatrical have you seen the director's cut of that or the unrated version i am unaware that there is a director's cut oh you need to see that it is it makes that movie so much better i i enjoyed the theatrical cut but the the unrated it makes it so much better and i wish to god they would have put that in the theaters because i think it would have been maybe received a little bit better but uh, i i I too enjoy that movie very much i i feel like that was um was unfairly judged based on all of the um you know publicity revolving around their relationship but yeah good love to see brad pitt back to his action roots uh in something that actually looks like it could be pretty funny too yeah it looks good all right sir you uh you ready to go to the movies oh baby so 
So this week, in uh, celebration of the release of The Batman, we had to talk about what, I God, I don't know, arguably could be considered the worst Batman film ever made. Uh, we're talking about Batman and Robin, released in 1997, rated PG-13, run time, oh my God, two hours and five minutes. Synopsis, Batman and Robin try to keep their relationship together even as they must stop Mr. Freeze and poison Ivy from freezing Gotham. Sounds like a love story almost, right? Yep. A little bit. Stars, Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's that? It was a lover's quarrel. It was a lover's quarrel. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze, George Clooney, or as I call him, Papa Clooney, as Batman, Chris O'Donnell's Robin, Uma Thurman, Poison Ivy, Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl, Michael Goff as Alfred Pennyworth, Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon, John Glover as Dr. Jason Woodrew, Al McPherson as Julie Madison, Vivica A. Fox as Miss B. Haven, Jesus, Jesse Ventura as Arkham Asylum Guard number one, and Ralph Moeller as Arkham Asylum Guard number two, written by Akiva Goldsman. This was a guy who fucking wrote A Beautiful Mind, a Time to Kill, I Robot, and I Am Legend. And yet he wrote this piece of shit. Ooh. Right? Ooh, that's a stink on that that career. Guy's had a great career despite this film. Another guy who's had a great career despite this film was uh, Joel Schumacher, who directed it. Uh, you know, you may know Joel Schumacher from Falling Down, 8mm, uh, Bad Company. It's a secret favorite of mine. So it should be noted, Tim Burton had nothing to do with this movie at all. He was a producer for Batman Forever, but did not touch this one. Period. So this movie got greenlit super fast after Batman Forever. And that is why I think it suffered because they did not plan this bad boy. I think it was just like, a let's do this thing. Well, yes, this the, that was one of the, the major things that played into it, among others. So box office gross on this, $238 million on a $125 million budget. $25 million of that went to fucking Schwarzenegger's paycheck. Ooh. Oh, he got paid money. Uh, just for reference, Batman Forever grossed $336 million. Although considered a flop, uh, this was Warner Brothers' highest-grossing film, both domestically and worldwide, for 1997. Ugh. Rotten Tomatoes critic score was 12%, audience score was 16%. So I got to talk about my history with this movie. So obviously, I love Batman. Have always loved Batman. I was there opening day for Batman '89. All right, that was their opening day, Batman Returns. Batman Forever, for fuck's sake, I saw it in the theaters seven times, all right? Oh, my God. That still is the record for the film I've seen the most times in the theater. All right, I was 16 when it came out, so, I mean, I had a car, and it was Batman. So, when this came out, when Batman and Robin came out, I was actually working uh, at a movie theater at the time. And, of course, I've talked about my time working at a movie theater for a long time on many episodes. So, we were blessed with having this film, number one. Number two, we had the opportunity to see it the night before it was released to the public. 
Now, my theater, we were waiting on just waiting with bated breath to find out if we were going to get this movie. We had lost out uh, several months before this, or actually the winter prior, uh, to the other theater in town uh, by not getting Star Trek First Contact. We were devastated because there were two theaters in town. We would go back and forth because it was the same company. Then we found out about two weeks before this came out that we were getting it. We were so fucking excited. Oh my God, this is amazing. We finally fucking got it. Oh my God. The night I watched this, I think I started smoking that night. That's how bad this was for me. That's that is the, the origin story of your smoking. I think it, no, it wasn't, but no, I, I was, I was speechless when I walked out of the theater watching this film. I, I didn't, and don't get me wrong. I knew that Batman forever was cornball shit, but for whatever reason it worked. And this was just absolute garbage. It was absolute garbage. I hated this movie. I still hate this fucking movie. My oldest daughter likes to torture me with this film because when she was a tween, I got her the 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 four you know the Batman four set there that has you know all the Keaton, the Kilmer, and the, and then the Clooney. And this is her favorite one. And she loves to point that out to me as much as she can. So obviously one out of five, fuck this movie. I hate it to death. I hope the Batman is better than this. Honestly, the only Batman movie that I would consider worse than this is the Batman 66 film. So Rodney, go ahead. So my history with Batman, the first movie that I remember going to see was either, I I always said it was the Leprechaun. And then I date checked it and Batman Returns came out before the Leprechaun. So actually Batman Returns is the first movie I ever saw in theaters. And I'm not a huge Batman guy. He's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm more Green Lantern if we're talking DC kind of guy. That's a good call. But That's a good call. This movie, it felt like everybody phoned it in. And so I was doing a little bit of digging this afternoon and I was like, well, why didn't Kilmer come back? Because Kilmer was in forever, right? Yes, he was. And lo and behold, him and Schumacher did not get along. They did so, not. Kilmer, I, I, Kilmer. I, I don't know if you ever saw that documentary, Val. Did you, did you see that? No, part? I have not. Okay. Uh, he didn't get along with pretty much anybody he ever worked with. He, he was kind of a pain in the ass. So continue, sir. Yeah, so um, so he dropped out and did The Saint, which is a awesome movie in my opinion. Um, and that's why <laughs> came. Yes, uh, and they had looked into uh, David Duchovny was considered uh, to be Batman, and uh, he who, uh, ironically enough, was also considered for Batman again when uh, they were making Batman Begins. But uh, yeah, so. Ed so ha- my rating is definitely a one out of five. Yeah. No, this is a terrible film. It's terrible. But we have to talk about it because it did have an effect on things. There there was kind of a domino effect with this movie. So just a little... Did you see the... Go ahead. Sorry. Did you see the, the shooting schedule that they ran for this? I was did not see that. No. So shooting for this movie got delayed. And so they didn't begin shooting this movie until september of 1996 
and they were done by January of 97. It and came it out, came out in June of 97. June, yeah, I was going to say June of 97. Jesus Christ, they gave them no time. So, like, at parts, it felt like actors thought it was a dry run because some of the line delivery is so flat and terrible. I think that that, that filming schedule threw them off. Well, yeah, and you could tell because the editing was garbage in this movie. It's really fucking bad, and it it is it, even even a person that doesn't pay attention to these things would go, Jesus Christ, that was an abrupt cut, or that didn't that was very rushed, or that didn't make any sense. It it was just very poorly edited. I'm just thinking about all of the alternative people that were considered for these parts, like for Mister Freeze. They were looking at Ed Harris, Patrick Stewart, which is the one the one that now bear in mind when this came out the internet was kind of a barely a things, but there wasn't the the rampant speculation that there is today as far as everything is concerned. But Patrick Stewart was was kind of the front runner as far as I ever heard during that time. Hulk Hogan, Sylvester Stallone, and Anthony Hopkins, again, all considered for Mr. Freeze. How weird would that have been if it was Hulk Hogan? Oh my god! That would have—I don't know if that would have been worse or better. I—I I really don't know. As far as uh, Poison Ivy was concerned, Julia Roberts, Sharon Stone, and Demi Moore were all up for that at one point. So I—I I will give credit where credit is due. Uh, I still love Elliot Goldenthal's uh, score for this movie. It, it was basically the same score that they did with Batman Forever. I do love that theme. I really do. Yeah, it has a very good sound to it, for sure. And uh, it, it definitely pops. It did not have the soundtrack quality that Batman Forever had. I mean, this one didn't have Kiss from a Rose, okay? <laughs> That's not okay. But it did have a, a kick-ass Smashing Pumpkins song on it. Which I can't. I was surprised to find out that uh, Robert Swanson, who did, who was Bane, that that was like a, a full body person. I always thought that that was some kind of a suit when I was younger. No, like some guy put on a meat suit. Jeep Jeep Swanson, I think that's what they called him. He was, uh, I think, he was a pro wrestler, wasn't he? And what, or yes, like he was. a like a really yep. low tier pro wrestler. I he killed himself, I think, after this movie. But no oh, heart attack. He died. Of oh, a heart was attack. it a heart attack? Uh, in August, right after the premiere. Uh, maybe we don't do steroids, kids. It's never a good idea. All right, yeah. so let's break well, this. Go ahead. No, I was. I, go ahead. I was going to ask you where where Clooney rates in Batman for you. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> let's do that at the end. I actually have to think about that. Oh God. Oh, this movie just starts off wrong. It's just it's so, so very wrong. The one-liners come off just immediately. It's still, to this day, it cracks me up how rigid the bat costume was and the fact that they still, Clooney could still not move his neck in this. And you could tell there were many scenes where he tried and it fucked the mask up and the, and you know, the whole thing. And it, it was really funny, but yes, they started popping off. Uh, hated Robin's costume right off the bat. I know that they were trying for the Nightwing look and yes, there was a Nightwing film, uh, spinoff, uh, in the works at that point before this came out. Thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> uh. Uh, guess how many times uh, Mr. Freeze uses uh, an ice pun throughout the, this movie? 
Oh my god, I would say fifty-three. Actually, less, and I was kind of surprised. Oh, wow. Twenty-seven ice puns used. Yes, I looked that up. I didn't count myself because, yeah, no one has time for that. But the whole museum heist is is just fucking clown shoes. There, I remember that there's this one tracking shot where they're doing an overhead and, you know, it's Batman and Robin are kind of in the background there and they're just doing this pan shot over all this stuff. You got the goons skating around and Mr. Freeze at the kind of the top of the balcony there. There's this one point where several of the stunt skaters just eat shit. I, I, oh, I missed that. Oh, yeah. You look for it. it yeah. It's like right after Batman shows up and, and they... they click on their their fucking ice skates it's right there but yes there's like two or there's like one skater that goes down and knocks like two other guys over it's fucking hilarious not as funny as batman pole vaulting in one of the most obvious wireframe ways possible there was a lot of that in this movie fucking god awful and you could always tell when there was a stunt double in use right oh yeah yeah Every time it didn't matter which character was obviously Robin stood out like crazy, but even, even Batman and, and Mr. Freeze, you always knew when the stunt double was on, they did such a lousy job of hiding that. Um, my favorite lines of Schwarzenegger in this, when uh, he and Batman have tied up in the rocket, <laughs> see this meter, Batman, the harbingers of your doom, your heart will freeze. <laughs> <laughs> freeze you're mad who <laughs> i can't believe the guy that wrote a beautiful mind wrote this fucking script was he on peyote when he did it my favorite freeze thing was when right after in the beginning when they go back to his little base and they're playing the i'm mr icicle i'm mr cold that old school christmas movie from like the late 80s right and, uh, you know, he's got his stupid henchmen there with icicles on their nose, like legitimately. And then uh, that's when we get our introduction to Vivica Fox in freaking lingerie. Right. Right. Oh, God. It's, it's so bad. Well, it's like it's right up there with with circling back to the rocket scene where they're he's sitting there acting like the, the if the rocket explodes, it's going to destroy Gotham. Really? How? <laughs> it blows up. Uh, if anything, it's going to break some windows and that's about it. But they make it seem like it's a fucking nuclear bomb about to go off. And then we end up with one. Oh, go ahead. The, the physics of this whole fucking movie is off. Uh, they're, they're in, they're in that opening fight scene and then they're jumping giant swaths of city for some reason. Like, how did you get this high up that you're jumping jumping off of a hand onto a hand and who, what the fuck? And, right. There, there's, there's so many things that don't make sense, especially when they are, uh, you know, sky surfing off of the doors of the rocket where the, the little models that they use looked awful. It looked like something out of the fucking power Rangers movie. I knew that we were in trouble when I first watched this, when you had Robin, you know, sky, you know, surfing, uh, screaming cowabunga. That's oh. when I, that, that's when I looked at, at my friend sitting next to me and went, Oh fuck. <laughs> this, Yikes. this is going to fucking suck. And when freeze is falling down 
and you know he gets his little fucking Ivan Ooze wings out, and he freezes the furnace in order to land. How does that keep him from dying? Did, did that make any sense to you? No, his legs still break. Exactly, it makes no sense. It makes no sense, and the, well, the, the how are you using lasers through diamonds to make cold? Because last I heard, when you magnify light, which is what laser is made out of, it makes heat, which they use, not cold. Yeah, I did. Yeah, the, the the logic in that makes no sense. I, I I'm always tempted to say, well, whoever wrote this didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Again, it was Akiva Goldsman. The guy's a like a fucking Oscar winning screenwriter. <laughs> it's like this is like his version of writing a porn film <laughs> before he hit it big and this is when we do the double dutch rudder exactly yeah right along those lines you would be shocked at how many prominent writers and directors from like back in the 80s and 90s started out in porn it would blow your mind <laughs> huh. but when we're introduced to poison ivy that's when I knew that this movie was done. It, we were there was nothing we could do. Uh, Uma Thurman, God bless her for uh, leaning hard into her role, but Jesus God, I have to say, I I will argue that she is the worst or has the worst performance in this movie. Oh, I agree. Her delivery of the, her first lines when she's talking about science stuff, I'm like, oh my God. You are reading it off of a card right now. You have no idea what you're saying. I don't buy you as a scientist for a minute. No, it was ridiculous. And they dragged poor John Glover into this. Why would, it, it, was this a contractual agreement he had when he signed on for Smallville? He had to go do this fucking movie. Wait, was Smallville even out at that point? Oh God. I don't think so. I, I think Smallville was night 2000. But anyways, was he trying to get in bed with Warner Brothers? Jesus Christ, John, you're better than this. Ugh. I think he had done some animated stuff, if I remember correctly, yeah. from his, his Wikipedia. And then what I remember him from is more recent. He is the villain's dad in Shazam. So he comes back to do more DC. Oh, yeah, buddy. Yep, I remember that. No, I, John Glover is an amazing actor. Uh, wonderful stage actor. He's done a lot of, lot of great stuff, and... Uh, geez, his Lionel Luther, are you kidding me? He was one of the best parts of Smallville. Uh, uh, that is a black hole for me. I have not watched that. Oh, Jesus. God, man, get on it. Get the fuck on it. I'll find out which it should be. I would guess it's on HBO Max, but you, you have to watch it. You will, la you will laugh. You will cry. You will cut yourself. You will laugh some more, and then you will love it. You will learn to love it. It's, it's like That's a, the one with the sex cult lady, right? It's the one with who? The sex cult lady? Yes, yes, yeah, Allison Mack is in that. Yes, that is correct. Yes, that's, yes, agreed. Hey, so Bane was in this movie. Glad they uh, threw his origin right out the fucking window and destroyed the character. It's really great. Hey, isn't he supposed to be French? No, he's supposed to be from, uh, what is it, uh, uh, some... Uh, island off of south america or something like that can't remember the name of it mm. but uh no he's yeah this this was not his origin this is not how it worked i mean i love the i like bane in the uh 
Harley Quinn animated series. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. The, uh, the Tom Hardy ripoff. Hilarious. Hilarious. The Bane that is shown in the young justice cartoon. That is fairly comic accurate. That's, that's very close to, to what the character is in the comic books. Uh, of course, they had to add the giant cod piece because, well, Schumacher needs nipples, cod pieces, asses, dicks, tits, everything he can get to throw into this movie. Yeah, none of the costumes actually like stood out to me as being good. I like that Poison Ivy's leaves change colors with the season, but other than that, like it was. I remember as a kid watching this, you know, thinking like, "What the hell? This is just to sell me more toys." Which I bought. Well, of course. Of course. Well, now, I was old enough at that point to where I went, these toys are fucking garbage, and I, and I walked away from it. It wasn't in. Batman Forever, I bought a lot of shit from that. But no, the Batman and Robin stuff was, I, I, I knew, I was old enough to know it was so bad, I just couldn't couldn't do it. I love that the uh, that Freeze's uh, origin story has him as not just a scientist, but an Olympic decathlete, because that was necessary. For the story. That's explained why Schwarzenegger is so yoked. Right. Right. You know, he'd had a heart attack uh, before making that movie. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. I no. think that, that's why he got the, the big money for it because he was, uh, you know, concerned with all the physical work that he was going to have to do. But whatever. When they were doing his introduction video, when Batman was like reviewing it and he was in the, the uh, scientist outfit or whatever, that brought me back to Junior. Do you remember his movie Junior when he uh, got himself pregnant? Oh, God, yes, yes. I am a scientist. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that makes me feel so much worse about this movie. So I have a, I have a re- kind of an important question here. Do you think that Schumacher and Clooney conspired to make this Batman in this movie more like the Adam West Batman? I think that that filming schedule fucked them. I don't think they gave a shit once they figured out how tight of a window that they had. And I think, well, let's just do whatever. Okay, that's fair. I don't know. I feel like there was a point. I I, I do feel like that played into it. I I think that the shooting schedule was crap. They rushed the screenplay, all of that stuff. But I feel like there came a point where both kind of Clooney and Schumacher looked at each other and went, Hey, let's fuck this up. We're getting paid anyways, you know, type of situation. Yeah. But I, I don't oh, know. I All I know is that Clooney was still uh, at that point in, in his career where he had terrible posture and he kept, you know, kind of jerking his head to the side and shaking it every time he delivered dialogue. Isn't his first line something stupid? Like, this is why Superman works alone? Yes. Like, it's right off the bat. Exactly. Just corny, stupid lines. Yes, they jump right into it. It's very funny. Uh, Clooney once said that uh, Steven Spielberg once told him uh, he'd be a star if he'd stop jerking his fucking head around. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. If you go back and look at old George Clooney movies, watch uh, uh, The Peacemaker. Watch that movie and make a drinking game out of it. Every time George Clooney kind of tilts his head to the side and starts shaking it. Okay. You'll be dead within an hour. I guarantee it. I will give him credit for one thing in this movie. We don't get any flashbacks of uh, Bruce's parents being killed. 
Yeah, that that is a nice change of pace. It, this it, this movie always felt lighter than the last couple. Oh, it was well because Schumacher went on record as saying, "I just wanted Bruce Wayne to get over his parents getting killed," and it's like, what? <laughs> um, that doesn't work. <laughs> that's why he does everything. He's that kind of motivates every action he's ever made as Batman. But yeah, no, 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 you're right. Yeah, that's great. Nipples. Let's let's do that. <laughs> yeah uh this I, I i gotta give credit to whoever did the costume design in this they somehow pulled off an amazing feat of making uma thurman unattractive god bless them good job i don't find her attractive to begin with i'm i thought this was on par for her she is not even alicia silverstone like as far as leading ladies i think they're both uh vanilla girl next door looking to me but that's that's just me that's a, it's a, no, I, I understand that. I, uh, I'm i thinking of Uma Thurman, like dangerous liaison years. She was, that was way before that. But, you know, whatever. We got, you alluded to this earlier. We have to talk about uh, Mr. F- or Dr. Freeze's uh, uh, hideout. <laughs> the uh, ice cream truck. Yeah. Uh, ice cream factory. Yeah. Place. Yes, the the I'm Mr. Whatever the fuck, I'm Mr. Snow. I what the fuck was going on in that scene? I, to me, they didn't do a good job of well, it's a shit movie, so I guess it's hard for me to say this, but like how does fucking up an experiment turn you into this person that just loves ice now? Like, I get it if you need to be cold, but, like, you love all things ice now, so you're going to watch old-school fucking Christmas movies? That doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, if you had, you know, liquid nitrogen dumped on you, I guess you would have some type of... Die? Yeah, that I can't, yeah. Like, yeah, die, dead, whatever. I don't know. I Why, why is he trying to get his henchmen to sing? What? what how is this evil... What? Is, who the? Why? Why? When you show up for henchman duties for the freeze day one, you quit. Like you I would be d- gone. I'd I'm be like, oh, I gotta go outside to pee, and I would never be back. I'm out. I'm sitting there going, I'm gonna go work for the penguin because I don't think I'm gonna fucking freeze to death, and his benefits are good. I mean, why? Why? Why wouldn't we? I, Jesus Christ, and that's that, interesting. So, Rogues Gallery, Batman villains, whose henchmen are you? Oh, my. Um, God. They all suck. It, it, it's the equivalent of being a fucking red shirt in Star Trek. If, if you're not the man, then, you know, the, the head of whatever fucking gang you're in, you're, you're just not going to do well. But if I had to, oh, God. Not the Joker, because I get fucking killed if I pissed him off. Not Poison Ivy, because, well, that wouldn't work. Uh, she uses plants. Uh, I guess I'd go with with Bane's crew. If this was Har- the Harley Quinn animator, I'd go with Bane's crew, because, well, he has no idea what's going on half the time. So it'd work out. You? Bane. Bane would have been mine, too. Because he's going to rush in headfirst anyway, so then I just pretend like I'm doing stuff. There you go. There you go. I have a question. It is implied that Mr. Freeze has a girlfriend, right? 
How how do they fuck? Vivica Fox? Yeah. But she's like fro I mean, is it isn't she frozen too? Oh, you his wife or his his girlfriend? No, the the, the wife the is Fox? no, the wife is is frozen. I'm talking about the girlfriend. I, I mean, think she's like your roadie. I think she is like uh always at the concert backstage hoping to get with the band type of person. I don't think he actually does anything with her. If he did, either his dick would fall off or her vagina would freeze over. Somebody's dying. I mean, sex, there's no orgasms being had. Somebody is fucking dying if, if, if that's they, a if they hook up. That's a one-time affair. Yes, that's a one-time affair. It doesn't happen. So let's skip ahead to uh, Barbara Gordon arriving at Wayne Manor. I'm trying to do the math on this whole thing with Barbara being the niece of Alfred. And was it, was her mom like 80 fucking years old when she was born? I'm trying to do the math here. It just, it doesn't work. So it's not, I'm sorry. It's not Barbara Gordon. What What is her name? Barbara. Fuck. I don't know. I forget what random last name they give her. Yeah. But the other funny thing is, is Alfred's all like, you made it here from England because you're from England because I'm supposed to be English and you would be English if you were my niece, but neither of us have an English accent. Right. But we got to get her in there because it's Alicia Silverstone and she's popular right now. So let's make her Batgirl. But let's give her shit about her weight, shall we? Let, let's make her really hate herself. Fuck. This was Clueless time, right? Is this, that, is this, that was right this was right after Clueless, yeah. But everybody gave her shit because she put on some weight. And it didn't work for this movie. Yeah, that would have been perfect timing for you because you would have been like 18-ish and I was only 12. So, like, I didn't care. I didn't give a shit. No, I, I, I gave her more shit for the horrible acting job she did as opposed to her weight. I didn't care about her fucking weight. I just cared about the fact that um, her line delivery was so fucking bad. And... uh this whole thing with the uh, worst uh, Photoshop butler in front of an elephant ever because we had to show that Alfred's brother was out and about. They they spent way too much time trying to very quickly develop uh, Barbara's backstory and Alfred's family and everything. That, that wasn't shoehorned in at all. Not at all. Yeah, and it seemed like Alfred was an indentured servitude with Batman, the way that they were describing her needing to make money to buy him away from Batman. Like, that's not how it works. Right? I I definitely got, got that sense. Because she's there living with Bruce in Bruce's house where her uncle, who she's paying for like a slave, is still working. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make sense at all, especially if you're trying to buy him from Bruce or pay off his whatever debt to Bruce. Then why are you also living in Bruce's house? And the second that she mentioned that to either who what, was it was it Dick or, or or Barbara? I can't remember who he mentioned it to. Does no one just turn around and go, "Hey, that's kind of not what's happening here. He can leave whenever the fuck he wants." We're not. <laughs> is, is, hey, I'm yeah. I'm Robin. Batman's response is, "Oh, I thought he was happy here. We're his family too." <laughs> but as far as Bar- Barbara's concerned, she has no idea. She thinks he's miserable. But uh, what fucking ever. 
I did find a happy place at one point uh, during this whole grotesque show. Uh, Bane walking around in the trench coat trying to act like it's a disguise was one of the funniest moments in, in the film. Though Bane was not comic accurate, I think he was the best actor in the film acting the role that he was given, he, which is be big and menacing and walk behind people. And Yes, and do stupid shit and slapsticky nonsense. And still, yeah, trench coat with the fedora hat on and the Bane mask. That was... I don't know if that was intentionally funny, but it was funny nonetheless. I didn't fucking care. I needed something. We needed something. During... So modern Bane, do you go CGI or do you go big beefy dude? Uh, mocap. Yeah, CGI. Yeah, I agree. 100%. You, there's nobody that is, and I'm not talking like you know um, Arkham Asylum, you know, size Bane. You know, all jacked up on the juice. I, I, I think that you, you do a Bane that's kind of a happy medium. But I, I don't know if you can do. I don't think there's anybody out there with that body type. The Rock. All right, I'll give you that. Yeah, he could probably pull it off. I guess there's a couple. Yeah, there's there's a couple wrestlers. I think they could do the look. I just don't think they could do the part. And that's the issue. The Rock, yes, could probably pull it off. I, I've never heard him do an accent, so I don't know how that would go. But, yeah, whatever. We'll see. Oh, one of the most irritating aspects of this movie, uh, Gossip Gertie. Do you remember that character? Yes, Batman, tell us. Yes. What's the new thing? The only reason she was in this fucking movie is because she was married to Bob Kane. I hate stories like that. Yeah, I know. But yeah, that's... Uh, the... Her tone, her delivery, everything was grating. Yeah. Was, she was so grating. Yes. Yes. And, of course, we it's dur- during that scene where they decide to, you know, um, uh, Pamela Isley shows up and is, you know, yak, yak, yakking and fucking monologuing as they're escorting him, uh, you know, escorting her out of, with the security guards which segues into this wonderful piece of, uh, you know, different photos, uh, kind of a montage of Schwarzenegger with his unfrozen wife that are the worst. <laughs> they, this, yeah. this movie set a fucking record for all of the horribly photoshopped pictures in this. It's just, it's, you got Alfred's brother, you got Schwarzenegger with his wife You've got Poison Ivy with Bane. You think they could have taken some better photos than that, but no, 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 no. They just said, fuck it. Let's just Photoshop this shit in there. It, it, oh God, it was fucking terrible. Ugh. And we're going to talk about, you know, Schwarzenegger's makeup in this. He did, he looked like he had just been covered in fucking glitter. I, it took him a long time to do it too, like several hours. I was surprised to read that, but he he refused to shave his head bald, so they had to do the bald cap, and and uh, I think they did a good job on the bald Shut cap. Shut up. That was a cap? That was a cap. He refused to shave his head. Oh, I got to give credit then, because I thought he actually shaved his fucking head for this. Wow. Okay. I'll add nothing for that. Good job. The, uh, the scene... Doesn't change his shitty acting. No. Nothing can fix that. Nothing could fix that. The scene where 
Ivy goes to the botanical gardens and, you know, creates her little lair there. It looked like something out of hedonism too. I felt like there was like some type of group sex thing that was about to happen. Either that or they were going to all start fucking tripping on peyote or something. She did a turnaround on that joint, man. She she got them out of there and got that place cleaned up. Good job. Yay. Yeah, I, right. It's interesting how much the Batman character developed in this uh, because Keaton... Batman barely talked to Commissioner Gordon. I remember in Batman Returns, I think he had like three lines with him and that was it. In this one, uh, Batman is doing photo ops. You know, he's showing up for photo appearances and, you know. Oh, God. Schumacher did not understand this character. Did not. Clearly did not. The writer did not understand this character. Nobody seemed to understand Batman in this. Yeah, that seems out of character for the for the Batman character to do photo ops and, you know, like a like a politician basically. Like that's just so stupid. I just don't know what they were thinking with this entire movie. I I don't I don't understand it. There was so much schmaltzy shit in it. There was nothing. There were none of those moments that you're like, "Holy shit, that was cool. It's Batman." It never happened in this. You you watched Batman Forever. There were a couple of really cool moments in it. Yeah, there was some cornball shit in it, but for the most part, they tried to keep to some type of standard. In this one, they threw everything out the window. It, it didn't matter to them. You you look at the, like, the, just the, the production design and the, and the, how Gotham was set up. I mean, it's a, it's a bunch of nude men in statues and, and <laughs> just just random shit that didn't make sense that certainly didn't fit in even to the aesthetic of Batman forever. It still didn't fit into it. Yeah, no, Batman forever felt like more of a real city, but this, I mean, again, to go back to the shooting schedule, this was all shot in the back lot. There was no on-site locations for this movie. So Batman and Robin is literally all cookie cutter box in a, in a warehouse, but they had, but still you, you, with that much of a turnaround from the, you know, Batman forever, they had sets built already. They had a lot of the stuff that they needed. They just had to add a few things here and there. And even then they went beyond what they had and created stuff that they didn't need to do. They could have kept with the dirty, you know, Burton minimalist approach, which again, even Batman forever kind of pushed that really fucking hard. And and they didn't, they just continued to get more and more outrageous. And was no one paying attention to this or did no one care at that point? Cause Arnie had already signed his fucking check. His 25 mil was coming. Didn't matter. I don't know what the pay scale was for Clooney or Schumacher or anybody else, but it, it seemed to me that they, they checked the fuck out and went, okay, cool. We got paid deuces, bitch. Yeah. It just top to bottom shit show, just top to bottom. Um, I, my, the coolest thing I thought was in this movie was the bike race, the, the motorcycle race and the biker gang stuff. I thought that was kind of cool. But other than that, like I, nothing really nothing is good in this movie no shit i god i thought that was one of those moments where you cut that whole fucking sequence out and save yourself from this being a two-hour movie 
I Jesus, Nick Nicky Cat being in that. Oh my God. Yeah, but if you if you take that out, then what the hell is Batgirl doing? Nothing, which is why she shouldn't even be in this fucking movie. Yeah, exactly. She, she didn't. You you had Batman and Robin. That was enough. You you could have worked off of that story, but we had to drag a romantic interest into this. We had to draw. We had to drag fucking El McPherson into this, and we did. There was no reason to do so. It was another. It was another fucking throwaway love interest that nobody cared about. Same thing that happened with fucking what what was it, Nicole Kidman's character Chase Meridian in Batman Forever? Who gave a fuck? So I was about? reading a fun fact that Chase Meridian that Nicole Kidman was supposed to be Ivy in that movie, but they changed the, that when they were rewriting scripts and stuff, they kind of threw that out and made her just a different character. I, it would have made it more interesting, I think. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you already had two villains in it. I kind of guess I understand why they did what they did, but, oh God, how much shit can we talk about this movie? What? Let's, let's do this. Was there anything about this movie that you liked? Uh, besides the motorcycles? No. The fights were terrible too. There wasn't a good fight in the movie. There no. was no Hallmark scene. No, there wasn't. The, the the fight when they when they convert the telescope into the fucking you know freeze laser help me explain the science on that one even that with you know Clooney against it's against Schwarzenegger the big moment and you know he slaps the little heater fucking thing on him the heat is on and you're just like okay I'm good <laughs> the cat fight wasn't good between no. the girls no that that sucked they just kicked tubes out of the back of Bane's head. Like Did, Bane snaps their neck in that moment, right? Seriously, there, there, there shouldn't be a fight in that. But I mean, even there was the scenes where Robin has the fucking fake lips on Jesus fucking Christ. Are you kidding me? And the, and they use, they recycle a scene. They reverse it, reverse the scene and then and forward it again. Where he he fall Ivy dumps him into the water. You see his head pop up for a sec because it's a reverse shot, and then they play it again, and his head goes down. That's how little a fucks they gave about the editing when they did this movie. Yeah, that's sad. I didn't notice that. I'll have to pay attention to that next time. Oh, dude, I if there's ever a next time, I would. Do, I when when this came out I, again, I watched it. I was horribly disappointed with it, but then I rewatched it many many times over the course of of the next decade and there there are just so many just huge editing mistakes and just adr mistakes schwarzenegger cannot do adr to save his fucking life it 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 will drive you fucking crazy you if you watch it if you like sat down and watched it with me and i pointed out all the shit that, that is fucked up in it you I would ruin the complete experience from watching this movie. Not that it isn't ruined already, but it still is. And one of the things I would point out to you because you're young is, uh, the fact that they put Coolio in this movie. Do you know who Coolio is? Yes, I do. I'm trying to remember where he was in the movie. He was the guy that was taking the bets at your favorite bike race there. Oh, you're right. Yes, he was. Yes. Little gangsters paradise. Yes. He... yes. Yeah. Yes. And and the the 
I guess one of the things that turned me off from the bike race was the fact that the various gangs that were there, uh, one of them looked like the Droogs from uh, Clockwork Orange. Uh, another group looked like uh, the Warriors from the Warriors, of course. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what Schumacher's intent was with that. Isn't that just like a carry-on from for forever like that gang that uh robin rolls up onto with the batmobile oh right it seems like just an, an extension of that yeah it's the gang with all the neon day glow paint on because that's their thing and they're apparently in gotham there's black there are black lights fucking everywhere in gotham right yeah they're half price at menards apparently this was i i think this movie was sponsored by hot topic in some way you mean a birth top topic? But if it's just, you know what, you're probably right. This this was responsible for the birth of hot topic. It, it fucking Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> no. Are you ready to rate Clooney in in the Batman? Oh God. Okay. I will tell you, he is the worst. He is at the bottom. If oh, Keaton is at the top, he is at the bottom. I. You have to understand something, Rodney. I fucking hate the Adam West Batman. I hate that show. I hate everything about it. But do I, I can I blame Adam West for that? That's how the movie was written. That's or not the movie and the series that that was that was what they were going for at the time. And that's why I asked that question about whether or not Clooney and Schumacher just said fuck it and did what they wanted to or were they actually trying with this movie. And from all the interviews I've seen with Clooney and Schumacher, I get the sense that they were serious about it at first. And then they realized what they were dealing with and kind of said, fuck it. So I'm going to have to say last place is West and Clooney with Clooney probably coming out at, yeah, at the bottom have to. Yeah. yeah so bad. It, it's, so bad. it's bad. And I love me some Papa George. You know that, you know, I love my Papa George. What was your thought in Forever, since you saw Forever so many times, about Chris O'Donnell being Robin and the age? Chris O'Donnell was... He was tolerable in Forever. I In Batman and Robin, what I could not understand is why Batman did not beat the fuck out of him. Because he pushed him in forever, but I kind of understood why he was giving him some leeway. But when we got to Batman and Robin, he was straight up fucking defying his orders. And I and I wish that, that Bruce would have dropped his ass. And it never had. Yes, he threw him in the fucking pit of goo or whatever the fuck that was. But he didn't just knock him the fuck out and go, hey, this shit's mine. Now, that doesn't answer your question. Your question is, what did I think of O'Donnell? I thought O'Donnell was too fucking old to play the part. Uh, I found him incredibly irritating. And I, as far as a representation of Dick Grayson, they did an okay job with that. I mean, it was fairly accurate, but, you know, obviously it wasn't a bomb and it wasn't Two-Faced, but still. Uh, but no, to answer your question, I thought O'Donnell was too old. I don't like him as an actor. He can stick to fucking NCIS LA or whatever the fuck he does. Yeah, he, he was always wooden to me, and I thought he was way too old. I, I was excited for him when I heard who that he was coming out because my mom's maiden name was O'Donnell, and that's the extent of my excitement for his acting. Other than that, he is the same in everything. 
he's like smarmy and and wants to be Ryan Reynolds but isn't. Yeah, he was his career as, in romantic comedies always uh, was like nails on a chalkboard for me. I mean, Sin of a Woman was the best thing he ever fucking did. Hands down. I don't even think I've seen that. Yeah, no. The, he was in one like Love and War with Sandra Bullock, I think, is played opposite of him. So, yeah, something like that. He was in a movie with Mad Love with Drew Barrymore. I mean, it, it's all he did all of these stupid fucking romantic comedies for most of his career. Um, most of them were unwatchable. They weren't interesting. Batman was the biggest thing he had in his life. And he managed to shove his penis in it and fuck it to the point where it did not climax. So didn't really matter. I guess the, oh God, what, what is the other, the, the, the other part of this movie that fucking irritates the shit out of me is how they treat the whole secret identity thing. There was a point where they sat there and they finally realized that Pamela Isley was poison Ivy. That actually took them time to figure that out. Can someone help me with that? Well, the other thing that was stupid too is Bruce Wayne is going to put diamonds on display to lure Mr. Freeze, but he's not going to be there. Batman's going to be there. Like that doesn't fucking take a leap of fucking knowledge to figure out. See, and that whole scene, that was where I got that Batman 66 fucking flavor because you've got Batman and Robin up on stage smooth, you know, just smooching with everybody and being these social fucking darlings. And I'm like, is that that's the only scene though? I can't, I can't think of any other scene where it, it, it plays that way the same, but would Keaton's Batman have ever done that. No. Would Kilmer's no. Batman have done that? No. No, they, no. They, they they didn't they didn't do this shit. That's that's why I, I can't sit there and give them a, a fucking pass and say, oh well, the production schedule was rushed, blah, 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 blah. No, you made a choice to write that fucking scene and do that scene. Yeah, because Keaton went crazy when Joker shot him and he had that damn uh pl- uh tray. Kilmer Stayed in character as Bruce Wayne when he was seeing the psychiatrist. Even Bale buys a hotel and swims in a in a fountain with girls to pretend like he's still the Playboy. Like there's a direct separation of the, the characters. It, 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 exactly. It's like they took they took this huge leap from Kilmer to Clooney as far as how they were going to characterize Batman and and Robin. And that's that's that would be the more interesting story to me because. Akiva Goldsman did the script for Batman Forever. So, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. No, he wrote Batman Forever. So I guess the question becomes now is, was it because Burton was around as a producer for Batman Forever that we kept some semblance of, of order and authenticity? Uh, qu- <laughs> I'm going to throw big quotes up around that. But is, is that why we kind of things were kind of kept contained a little bit? Whereas... We got to the next film, Burton's gone, and there's fucking anarchy at that point. The only thing that I can see, like if I was putting my hypothetical hat on, is the the big wig corporate guys came in, the fat cats and the cigars, and they were like, Schumacher, my friend, 
they're going to keep making these movies. Every two years, you're going to make one. You're going to have a uh, three-month shooting schedule, and we're going to make lots of money, but you're going to keep doing it. And he was like, fuck that. I'm out. This is going to be a giant piece of shit, and I don't care. I think that's a possibility. And, the, and this, this falls along with what Warner Brothers does. I mean, th- this is their thing. This th- They love to stick their dicks in everything. And I know that ultimately they looked at this and went, we want to sell toys. So we need you to come up with an ice costume for Batman and Robin and Batgirl and different vehicles for them. And, you know, just poison Ivy figure and, and a new bat cave and a new Batmobile. And we got to do this. And we got to do this. And we got to do all this shit because they look at it from a merchandising standpoint at that time. And still to this day, at times, they don't give a fuck about the story. They don't give a fuck about the movie. As long as it makes money, as long as it sells toys, that's all they gave a shit about. If I remember correctly, I think the Poison Ivy, her eyebrows changed colors if you used warm water on her action figure. <laughs> yes, I, I do. I do recall that. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to say this about this movie. This movie did something different than the other Batman films, right? They did not kill off one fucking villain in this movie. Of all of the Batman films, the first four Batman films, who are the villains we wanted to die the most? Oh my god, you're right. Mr. Freeze. I didn't even think about and that. And Poison Ivy kill them i'm fine with that let's leave the joker and the penguin alive let's go ahead and i don't know maybe eh, i guess we'll leave riddler alone tommy lee jones's two-face was garbage uh but yes both of the villains live at the end of this why wow. lord all three of them even bane bane lived even, too. even bane lived even though he turned into yeah. joker an, dead penguin, yeah right dead. Cat dead. Two face dead. Yeah, but Alfred was saved at the last minute because plot. And I love how he calls him son at the end. That wasn't creepy at all. Let's go to war with the the frozen guy for this ninety eight year old man, so he doesn't die of this rare disease that is killing him at ninety eight years old. Oh God, I I can't I can't go forward. Let's talk about what the consequences were for this film. And how this had an impact. So after this film's incredibly negative reception, this resulted in the death for of uh, Tim Burton's Superman Lives, which probably would have been a fucking train wreck. But God damn it, it would have been beautiful to watch because Nick Cage is Superman and a Kevin Smith script with Brainiac, and oh my God, that would have been. <laughs> That would have been an experience. It would have probably would have been terrible, but still would have loved it. Uh, Chris O'Donnell, Alicia Silverstone, and Joel Schumacher all went into like serious career slumps after this movie, which uh, they really didn't recover from. Two out of three, I could say for sure. I saw coming because they're not good anyways, but Schumacher going into a slump was surprising. That, to me. It was because he, he was a damn good director. He was a good director. I did. He's done some films that I I adore, 
And yes, ha- having a, having the, the stain of this film on on his record is terrible. But uh, one person did benefit. Uh, G- George Clooney became a fucking superstar regardless of how this film came out. Yeah, because he learned how to act. Yes, he did. He's Papa Clooney. He he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Now here's where this had the biggest impact. Kevin Feige has called Batman and Robin the most important comic book movie ever made because its catastrophic failure forced major comic book companies and film studios to rethink how they presented presented comic book based media. Hundred percent agree. This is why the world needed Batman and Robin. Because we don't we don't we may not have the MCU. We may What we, year was Spider Man three? God damn it. Uh, oh, Spider-Man 2 was, what, 2001? Maybe 2003, I want to say, but I'm probably wrong. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. But let's talk about, you look it up while I talk about who took responsibility for this movie. Uh, first and foremost, uh, George Clooney did. There, I remember watching an interview with him on Graham Norton saying, yes, I, I think I destroyed the franchise, which wasn't his fault. <laughs> George Schumacher took responsibility and he didn't throw the cast and crew under the under the bus for it. He said, I, I didn't do a good job. George Clooney did a good job. Chris O'Donnell did a good job. Uma Thurman is brilliant in it. However, he said Arnold Schwarzenegger was Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. Yes, they were. So uh oh seven. Oh seven. Yes. Okay. So it, which not to say that there weren't problems with the Marvel films that came out, because this was pre MC I mean, even after this, we had the Raimi Spider-Man films, we had the X-Men films, you know, but they were above and beyond by leaps and bounds better than Batman and Robin. They weren't perfect, but they were, they were better than they got away from the camp. They got they, way away from the camp. They did. They were better than anything we had seen at that point. I remember going to see the opening day, the first X-Men film. And I was blown away because it was like, Holy shit. They took this seriously. Finally. And honestly, the, 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 the big one, the one that really kicked it off that I don't think people give enough credit to, uh, Blade. Nobody gives Blade the love that it deserves in that it was oh, the first Marvel yeah, I film. It was the first Marvel film. It was fucking R-rated. They took it seriously. It wasn't a bunch of schlocky bullshit. It was, it, that movie was fucking legit. And that's, I did not know that was a comic character growing up. Like I did not know that, and I, when I saw that movie, I did not know that was a comic book. Yeah, movie. yeah. So, yeah. so, so a bit of fun information, right? So, I was just thinking, right? This movie came out in '97, and it was a giant piece of shit. And in 2007, um, Spider-Man Three came out, and it was a giant piece of shit. So, in 1987, to go with the sevens, that is when Superman Four came out which was also a giant piece of shit. Are you trying so we, are, uh, excuse me, sir. Are you trying to say that the quest for peace was a piece of garbage? Oh my God. How a piece of shit. dare you, sir? How dare you talk shit about the nuclear man 
and John Cryer playing one of the stupidest fucking roles ever and Gene Hackman phoning it in just so he could get a paycheck and them stealing money from fucking Masters of the Universe so they could pay for the production costs of Superman 4. I don't know what you're talking about, sir, but I am offended. Then we'll carry that forward to 2017 to see if this continues and that's when we get Guardians, Thor Ragnarok, Spider-Man, No Way or Home one of the home movies, the first one. Homecoming. Logan yeah. came out. So they they it's winner 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 and then giant piece of shit, Justice League. <laughs> In 17, yeah. <laughs> are are you trying to imply that for DC uh any year that ends in a 7 is uh, a bad year for them? Well, I mean, Sony did the uh, Spider-Man. Well, yeah, yet. sorry. The, yeah, the spider Sorry, yeah. So what I'm trying to say is if it ends in a seven, we're going to get a shitty superhero movie that year. At least one, right? At least one. Uh, so here, here's the question. Okay, all right. Here we go. Here, here's, here's putting you on the spot. Which would you rather watch? Batman and Robin, Spider-Man 3, or Justice League? The, the, the Whedon cut. The Whedon cut. Oh, God. Right? Are you going to clockwork, since you brought up Clockwork Orange, are you going to clockwork orange me in front of whichever one I pick? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tape my eyelids open? No, um, no, 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 no. I wouldn't do that with you. You, you could take a bathroom break and, and hide hide behind a pillow if you need to. I would actually choose Quest for Peace, which wasn't one of the ones you brought back up, but it's I would not. go to the 87. But if I had to pick between the three, yeah, probably Justice League because I can see the bits that are good underneath. Yeah, there. Yeah, you you could definitely tell where. Oh, yeah. There's the Zack Snyder's parts, and it, which was really funny when you know the Snyder cut came out. You're going, "Yep, I knew those were the the, the parts that Snyder filmed." Because yeah, those were the parts supposedly didn't exist. Yeah, those were the parts I actually enjoyed. <laughs> so moving on, I if I have to choose. I'm actually going to do Spider-Man 3 just because it is so bad, I can laugh at it. It's laughable. And you can play a drinking game with it. And Topher Grace was a better Venom. No, I'm kidding. That was terrible. All right. Final thoughts on Batman and Robin. I hope I never have to watch this again. Sir, I will never make you do that. And uh, I hope no one makes you do that either. I sent the box set of the first four, you know, or the, of the, the four Batman films uh, to the eldest. And I did not include the Batman and Robin disc because I threw it in the garbage. <laughs> and that's because I am a horrible. What hor- if you wanted to watch it? Well, that's because I'm a horrible father. Oh, trust me, I'm or sure. Or you're a great father. Uh, One of the two. Oh no, 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 no. She, she already again. She loves that movie. I, I, I half expect her to show up one day with a Blu-ray copy of it as a gift for Father's Day. At which point, I will disown her because I will be done. All right. Well, I think it's time for a break because that was absolute torture talking about that fucking movie. God, I hope the Batman is fucking better than this. It has to be right. I'd, I would have to say just from the. Damn commercials, it can't be worse. 
I'll agree. I, it, it has to be better. I, I don't know. what Since we're on a Batman theme, we'll hold off on the break for a sec. What What are your expectations for the Batman? That he's actually a detective. And that is it. Anything beyond that, I don't care. I want to see this detective Batman. I agree. And simple. I agree. I, I 100% agree. I, I, I want to see the more cerebral aspects of, of, of the character. Because we, ha- we really haven't seen that a whole lot. We, we, we touched on it in The Dark Knight. But, I, yeah, I want to see that. I, I like just what I've seen from the trailers. It look, It's giving me a, 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 an Arkham Asylum, you know, Arkham City feel for Batman, which I, I like that aspect of it. But, yes, I want to see more of a cerebral uh, Batman film. I want to see him and the Riddler go toe-to-toe. Not just not in, a, in fisticuffs, but, like, brain for brain there. If they do that, then I will be happy. Cause I, how do you feel about Pattinson? I don't give a shit. I'm not one to be like, oh, you know, sparkly vampire boy can't play anything else. Because, you know, there have been a million different actors that have done shit roles and got typecast. And then all of a sudden they're amazing. Like even Heath Ledger, like you can't argue that he's not in consideration as the best joker right? oh so. absolutely but no and we all well i can't say i can't speak for you but i i know when he was announced as being joker in dark knight i was like really because it, it didn't seem like a great choice but oh my god was i wrong and however i have a good feeling about pattinson as i've said many times on the show and i'm sorry listeners the guy is a good actor if you look at some of the work he's done outside of Twilight, he's got chops. So I, I feel I feel very good that if they give him a good script, I think he's going to do very well with it. So I don't know anything at this point. There's already been screenings. I'm working really hard to stay off of social media. And anytime I see anything regarding the Batman, I try to skip past it as fast as I can because I do not want to be spoiled on this one. I don't. I don't want anybody's opinion. I just, I want to go in fresh and see it and come hell or high water, I'm going to find some way to do it. So anyways, enough of that. Break. Break. Hey, you want to get doomed? I'm Tessa. And I'm Nicole. And we have a spanking new podcast for your ear holes called Doom Generation. Listen in as two foul-mouthed biddies have an always casual, often comedic... What? I think we're funny. ...and sometimes chaotic conversation about the things that doomed us to be who we are today. Take a trip with us down Nostalgia Lane and we'll try not to veer off the road. Available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Doom Generation Pod and on Twitter at Doom Gen Pod. Later, Later Doomers! And we are back. So how's the uh, Buffalo bourbon uh, treating you there? Oh, very nicely. My cheeks are warm. My vision's starting to slip. Starting to feel good. Yay! That's why. That's what we do here. You you know, we may have to watch shitty movies on occasions, but God damn it, we get to drink some good alcohol, right? Yes, sir. All right, very good. Uh well, I'm glad you're here. I've got problems that I need your assistance with. Can you help? 
I can try. There we go. I'm still a piece of garbage. Therapy time for everyone involved. All right. So, God damn it. I am feeling very down right now. I'm having a very down couple of weeks here. And I think a lot of it has to do with the world right now. I am not somebody who pays a lot of attention to things going on that is outside of my particular circle. However, it's very hard to go onto social media, look at the news to do anything without being confronted by what just horrible times we're living in right now. Obviously, there is a a very significant conflict going on between uh, Russia and the Ukraine. We've got COVID that we're still dealing with. We've got cost of living increases that are going through the roof, which is putting a massive financial strain on us. Um, It's hard to get out of bed in the morning right now. And so I, I will give a med update because, God damn it, I need to be loaded full of antidepressants. And so right now I am taking both my Lamictal and my Wellbutrin as a, like a good boy. And they are, for the most part, doing their job. The only problem I'm having with the Wellbutrin is that I don't sleep anymore. Which, eh. I always make the comment, I'll sleep when I'm dead. But we may be only a few weeks off from that. So, but yeah, it's it's made it with everything that's going on outside right now. It, it's made it very hard to be positive about things. I worry. I feel like that we're heading towards maybe not a another world war, but it's one of those things where you look at history and you see what Putin is doing, and it's one of those where. If you kind of don't stop it now, it's just going to continue to go. And and we're going to do a repeat of what happened in the 30s with uh, Nazi Germany. And those of us that have paid attention to history and were actually awake during history class uh, know how dangerous that that can be. And so, yes, that keeps me up. It, it very much keeps me up. You know, when we were dealing with Saddam Hussein and the Iraq War... For those that were in the middle of it, it was uh, obviously a very important thing. But uh, for those of us that really didn't have any skin in the game, it was one of those where you could kind of just kind of go, eh, whatever, it's happening. But right now, shit seems very dire. So, Rodney, where, where are you at on all this? Um, Like I said before, I try to stay out of the news and social media there's a therapy term called uh, radical acceptance. Are you familiar with this? I have heard of the the term, yes. Right. So the, the core function of radical acceptance is, is you accept there are things that you control and things that are out of your control. And those things that are out of control, you, the only thing you control in that situation is your reaction or how you respond to them. Oh, so, it's it's what many people in the religious circles call the serenity prayer, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, so, I, I don't buy into that shit either, but go ahead, yes. <laughs> what I view and what I do is like, with all this shit that's going on, historically and, you know, probably shit that we don't know that's going on, 
there's probably a ton of stuff like this that goes on. So until it's in my backyard, I try not to devote any energy to it because I'm not going to impact it at all. Right. So anything that I do in response to the situation isn't going to decrease the amount that it's on TV. It's not going to decrease the amount that it's on social media. It's obviously not going to stop Putin from invading. So I can't give the energy for it. Right. Cause it's, it's a net loss. Makes sense. No, I, I, I understand that. And it's hard to be like that, I guess. And some people aren't built that way. I just happen to be built that way. I can literally just, if it's going to be a net loss of energy, I can just say I'm not fucking dealing with this, and I just don't. Because because you look at these types of situations, and whether it's COVID or you know the a potential war happening, and you sit there and you look at it from an individual standpoint, and you go, "What the fuck can I do about this?" I mean, I could scream to high hell on social media, and we need to support this, and I I can throw my ten bucks at whatever thing there is, and and do everything else, but I, I'm 43 years old. Uh, no branch of the military is going to take me at this point. Not that I would ever, ever sign up for that, but there's, there's not a lot that I can do. I can, I can write my congressman and my senator, and that's not going to make any fucking difference. So, no, you're absolutely right. There's not a fucking thing I can do to change things, and I guess... That's part of the problem with me is that I have always felt like, whether it right or wrong, that I have the ability to do something about these things. And I guess the older you get, you realize that there are so many things that are completely out of your control and there's nothing you can do about it. And you have to accept that. And I guess that's my biggest problem is I'm having a very hard time accepting that right now. Yeah, so I would just encourage you to find areas of personal growth or family growth that you can invest that energy in that has a meaningful outcome that you can tangibly see and feel and experience um, as opposed to... De- to investing that energy in, into something that's completely out of anybody's control. And I mean, as, as far as Russia and the Ukraine is concerned, to me, it's, it's a money thing. Everything boils down to money. There's money involved somewhere and Putin wants to get some money. But, um, I, I think one of my, one of my, um, I, I work in mental health and so I have patients that I talk to. And one of my patients told me that the ruble has like been bottoming out. So the economy in Russia is is falling apart. So how sustainable this is long term and, and where this would parlay into future issues, I, I'm not as concerned about this world war talk. So, you know, I don't know. I think money is, is the root of, of most of what goes on in our world, which is terrible. But it, it doesn't make sense to have war for, for super, super long. You know what I mean? It's good in spurts for money. money people make a lot of money with war, but... At some point, it's going to start hitting the the bottom line to somebody, and you know, you make too many poor, you're going to end up dead, and that's what I fear or hope or wherever you land on it for Putin. I think that's coming. Well, I I think that that my interpretation of it is this is more of a vanity project for Putin because he wants to project power and that he's a strong man. Yes, there is a a net gain as far as resources are concerned. Um, that area does have a, a certain level of oil production that, that is involved in it. 
But I don't see how that outweighs the number of economic sanctions that are being thrown at Russia at this point. I mean, basically every fucking company on the planet is turning their back on Russia at this point. A fuck, even Apple is going, we're not sending new products to Russia at this point. So the, there, there have been massive consequences. So it comes down to uh, Putin's pride and his ego at this point as far as, as his conquest of Ukraine is concerned. The thing is, though, that that's not going to stop him from doing what he's doing. And you're dealing at that point with megalomania. And we, we've seen throughout history where, where that ends up going. But, but again, me, the small guy sitting here, can't do a whole fuck ton about that. I, I, again, I, I can be social media tough guy and, and, you know, a uh, social warrior on that, but the, the, there's not much else I can do about it. And, and yeah. So we, as a society, we've, we've developed this path of social media is there. So we feel like we need to say and do things and speak our mind and, and yell at the world and then get mad when other people yell back or, or disagree. And, and that's why we have such a social divide. When if you if you you like I said channel that into more productive internal things that you have control over right so this is this is definitely having economic impacts on all of us huge have and, you seen have you you've seen the price of gas right now right oh it's horrendous dude and that what's going on right now is is affecting that so so the the principles if we apply the principles of um, radical acceptance you have to accept that this is happening you have to accept that you have no control over this so what do you what do you control you control your response is it am i going to just sit here and be upset and feel defeated or should i channel my energy and my rage into more stringent budgets more cutting back on things we don't need um you know protecting the family and those those social things and those things that are impactful on your day-to-day -day life. And then ultimately, if, if you do those things and things get better, then now you have a cushion for the future or you have a foundation for the future or you have happiness in this investment that you made in yourself. Oh, my God. Now I'm more mad at Putin than ever. Are you talking about fiscal discipline? Fuck. Yes. God. Yes, I am. Fuck you, Putin. Look what you've done to me. God damn it. But you're right. Everything you're saying is is absolutely correct. Control the things that you can. Let go of the things that, that you cannot control. I agree. Yeah. And nobody nobody on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok is going to show you, Josh, the best Josh that there can be. The only person that can determine that is you. Yeah. It's after four decades on this planet, I still haven't figured out who the best Josh is. Yeah. And I that that's... And I haven't met anybody yet who has figured out who the best them are. Have you? You ever met anybody who's really figured it out? Um, I would say yes, but these are your very rare people. I I got a buddy. He has always been like a I don't want to say simple because he's very intelligent and he has a really good tech job, but he's just a go with the flow just smiles all the time doesn't he just doesn't worry or care but he also doesn't have ambition you know so much as he was kind of told to go in a direction and everything lined up for him right so like your um 
your Forrest Gump people. I think they are their best them, right? Because they just don't, from whatever reason, their their wires and their brain are not focused on that improvement or that better or that that natural drive that we have as human beings. And there are a select few that that are like that. And I think those type of people have found the best them. So would you say that they operate maybe not consciously, but subconsciously under the credo of ignorance being bliss? Yes, absolutely. And I kind of, I envy them. I really do. Yeah. Sometimes their knowledge is a burden. Sometimes being, you know, you, you're overly aware of what's going on. And I know that's going to come off as me. Well, Josh thinks he's super fucking smart and knows everything. No, God, I wish I knew everything. I know too much and I don't know how to fix 99% of it. And that is the, the, the curse. Curse with knowledge. It's, it's not a, uh, a matter of knowing everything. It is a matter of constantly trying to interpret your environment right so like look if we take the the forrest gump example again you have jenny jenny's not overly intelligent she tries to do the right thing she tries to interpret her environment circumstances lead one way or the other and her constant struggle with her environment leads her down some of the darkest paths people can go down whereas forrest gump he starts off even worse except for the traumatic stuff with the the stepdad or the dad or whoever was with jenny but like you know his mom's sleeping with the principal he doesn't have a dad he has a physical disability (laughs) he gets made fun of he comes from a shitty place but he doesn't question his environment he just ignorantly goes through day-to-day activities right so it's not a matter of of level of intelligence because i wouldn't say jenny came across as, as super intelligence it's your understanding and your acceptance of your environment well said, sir. And I think some people forget that uh, Forrest's mom did fuck the principal. I, I think people try to, to, to like block that out of their mind that that didn't happen. Sally Field did fuck the principal so that Forrest could, I don't know, advance a grade level. I can't remember exactly, but... Uh, he, they wanted to transfer him to a different school, That's I think. That's right, right, because of where and he was boy, on, the, on the scale. Your mom sure cares about your education. <laughs> <laughs> People forget that. That's, one of the, that's why that movie is fucking has so many layers to it. But no, you're... Yes, you're, it does. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, um, it's hard. Because if you... If you sit there and you accept it, I'm sorry, I'm going to back this up. I'm the type of person that sits there and says that if I accept the limitations of what I can have a direct effect on, that I'm somehow enabling it. And that that's where my brain gets fucked up because I feel like if I am not taking action, I am somehow condoning an action that I don't approve of. That's your programming. Yes. Think of when you were a child and in school and the messages that people told you through media and TV about being active and government, you know, you're talking the late seventies and early eighties, you know, activism and making a difference and we can change the world and that whole attitude that you grew up in. So that's instilled in, in your, your, core being of who you are and applying that past um, mantra to the current environment 
is, is been really detrimental to your your overall mental health right <laughs> yeah. and you have to boil it back down to what is your actual core drive and and what will actually give you happiness versus trying to do this subconscious thing that that you have been drilled into your head from an educational standpoint god damn it man you strip it down <laughs> It's like I got a degree in this shit. It's almost like you know what you're doing and know what you're talking about. It's almost like there's some education involved there. It's really weird. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I have been exposed. Thank you. You've yep, given, you're welcome. You've given me much food for thought, and I feel like we could do a Patreon episode on dissecting Josh's psyche. And I, man, I've sent you many a message. Uh, you have just come on for, for this section to talk to you guys. No, you, I'll be your Asian reporter, Trisha Takanawa. Yeah, fucking uh, a bro. Oh my God. I'll have you on every episode. Mike and I will just throw our shit at you. You bring it back and help. Uh, Cause I'm sure it probably drives you nuts. Uh, listening to Mike and I try to, uh, <laughs> solve each other's problems and, or offer advice. <laughs> <laughs> to oh. each other <laughs> yeah, not as much as you would think you know, <laughs> i'm not i'm not one of those people that think like oh the textbook taught me how to do what i do right, right. i i have a sordid history and family stuff and you know i work in the, the area that i work in not because you know i'm not good with people because i work in the area that i work in i work in the area that i work in because i'm good with people well said sir well said. Damn. God damn it. I should have had you on a lot sooner than this. My apologies. So imagine how much harder I would sound if I wasn't drinking right now. I, right. It, it emboldens, it emboldens you. Inhibitions go out the window, right? We say things that yeah. we normally wouldn't say. We expose vulnerabilities that we never would normally do. And we spread them out to the, 60 fucking people that listen to the show. So anyways, how can I so not fucking help you today, sir? Do you have anything on your list for therapy time? I do, but I will note, right? So for the audience that is just listening at home, I, I can see Josh because we're on a video program. After speaking with him and giving him my words of wisdom, he is actually sitting up more straight and has a smile on his face. <laughs> his body language has changed after listening to what I've had to tell him. This is true. This is true. I'm. I. I that has actually what what you have said to me is actually um, taken some pressure off, some psychological pressure off. We'll say that. Yeah. We'll say that. So what's what's going on with you, fella? I have a problem. I take on too much. And I'm and it's not necessarily at work. So it's really hard to take on too much at work. But so I moved in June when we were supposed to do our original lost episode. I had moved just before that. And I moved, and it was three moving trucks, a 26-footer, a 24-footer, and a 12-footer. For those of you at home that have never had to move, that's a lot of shit in, in trucks. And when we were moving, I did about 80% of the packing. I did loading, moving couches physically by myself. Uh, I'm not a big guy, but I'm six foot tall, 200 pounds. I'm, I'm not, you know, weak, and even though I, I don't work in a physically demanding job, I'm 
you know, Hispanic and Italian and my dad always instilled in us, you work, you got to work, you got to, you know, be able to do things. And I'm the second of eight kids, but it is starting to take its fucking toll on me. And I don't know how to stop myself from constantly going, right? We moved into our new home and I'm painting, painting bedrooms and hanging TVs on the wall and, and moving furniture to new rooms by myself and moving full bed sets up and down stairs, flights of stairs. And I just feel like when I don't get something accomplished, I'm wasted. Like I, I'm, I'm useless and I don't know how to stop that. So at this point is, do you find yourself like you're, you redo an area, right? And you're just not happy with it or you feel like there's more that needs to be done? I just always feel like there's some project. Like, obviously, it's a new house, so there's tons right, of right, stuff. Right, 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 right. There's a lot here. to do, yeah. But when when my wife and I met and we were dating, I was in college, and I didn't know where I was, what I was going to do for schooling, and then I went down my educational path, and I, I've only been in my current role for a year, and I just finished my master's degree to do this. So I was always, you know, working on my master's, working on my bachelor's associate's degree. We had the kids, we had house to house. And I just always have to feel like my day is, is full of stuff for me to accomplish because, you know, like right now my ankle hurts to walk on because I just do too much physical that I, I shouldn't be doing alone, lifting stuff, moving stuff, falling off of ladders and all kinds of fun stuff and just getting up and going. And I just, feel like I, I should be doing something. I, I can't take a day where I just sit and watch a movie with my wife and relax. Like I know that Sophia's room still needs to be painted or um, the, the kitchen, you know, needs dishes need to be done. And, and my wife, I know she kind of takes advantage of it because she knows I'm, I'm more of a, a homekeeper. I'll clean and do dishes and, and cook dinner and all that kind of shit. And so if you take all that kind of the house stuff that I do, and then you add all the extra projects and shit that I'm doing. I just, I just never relax. And I feel guilty when I relax. <laughs> oh my. Welcome to the club, sir. We have jackets. Yeah. This is like the biggest issue that faces, um, those of us that are married, that have children and that work full time and that are, are active individuals is that relaxation is almost an impossibility because even when we're with the family and we're, we're supposed to be doing things that don't require a lot of thought process, our brains are still going we're still trying to solve various puzzles, whether it be work related or life related. That, that doesn't go away when we're sitting there and quote unquote, trying to relax because even, sorry, even when I'm per, when, when it comes to me and where my thought process is, and again, this is an issue I, I have, even when I'm with my family, I'm reminded of all the things that need to get done. And that's why I can't relax when I'm with my family. 
And sometimes it, it has to do with people that you're with or it has to do with environments that you're in. So in your case, you're in your house and you see all these things that need to get done. So how the fuck are you supposed to relax? So maybe if the two of you, you know, if your family, y'all went to, I don't know, whatever the equivalent of Disneyland is, wherever the fuck you guys live, um, you know, maybe you could relax because you're not, in this environment where you see everything that's going on. Whereas with me, it's when I'm with the people that are closest to me that I realize that there are so many things that I have not done that I need to do and needs that I am not fulfilling. Am I, am I getting close to anything there? Oh, no, yeah. We went to Disney World, actually, um, in December. And unfortunately, that wasn't relaxing at all because of COVID. So congratulations, world pandemic and people not wearing, <laughs> you know, right. I understand if you don't think that masks work or you don't like masks or you don't want the vaccine or whatever. But if I'm standing there in front of a princess with my daughters and they're wearing masks, <laughs> give me six feet and two seconds to take a fucking photo before you, you, you send your kids bum rushing my kids. Right. Like, I, I respect your decision. Respect mine. So that was not. Oh, sir, you are expecting a level of reciprocity that does not exist in today's society. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. <laughs> but I can see the, like, if I'm going to relax and I'm, if I leave the house to relax and go hang out with a friend, I can relax some because, like you said, it's not there. It's not in front of me. I don't see it. I can move on from it. But it's hard to get to that point as a married man, like, to just get up and go, like, you know, even even sitting down tonight and recording, it works out good for me because, you know, it's 8.30 my time, 6.30 your time when we start. So kids are already in bed, you know, wife's winding down to go to bed. I can't do too many projects at night when they're sleeping because I'm going to make too much noise, you know. So this is just, you know, this worked out, but it's still hard to, like, find the time to, to even just vent and talk and do like the podcast thing, you know, and I love my family. I will do anything for my family. And it's not that they impose it on me. I impose it on myself and I can't break that fucking cycle. No. And, and that's, and based on all my upbringing and my life experiences, that's hardwired into us. We, we have, we, we feel that we have an obligation to, perform certain duties, uh, fulfill certain needs, and, and do all these other things, as, especially when we're married, when we have a family and everything else. That's, I 100% I, I get that. Where I have tried to find my own kind of balance for my mental health, it's what I'm doing with you right now. I protect this like I would a fucking truck full of gold bars. This is my time. This is my happy place. This is where I go. And I have to fight very hard for this sometimes. And I, and, and even to the, the, you know, my wife does not understand my uh, quote unquote obsession with doing a podcast. She doesn't get that. She doesn't get that. This is, this is what I've got. This is my thing. This is the one thing that I have control over is this. And I, I think that this has helped. Actually it's helped me. Yes. It creates strife in my life, but it gives me an opportunity 
to have a creative outlet because that's the one thing in my work and in my life that I don't get to do on the regular is be creative. I have to follow, yeah. I have to follow a very strict set of guidelines when it comes to my work, when it comes to my personal life, everything else, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a parent. I, I, I have to, there, there are certain, yes, there's some, some adaptation that can be involved in it. But for the most part, in my head, I got to follow a script to an extent. But when it comes to me, this comes to my show, this is all mine. I control yeah. this. I do what well, I, I want. When I talk to my, my patients, I tell them all the time, you know, the guys, they, they try to rectify stuff. I try to explain, like, typically, a woman's hobby is her relationships. It is the husband. It's the family. Like, that's Ooh. what their hobby that's what their hobby is. Many of them don't many, and this is not all women. So please don't at Josh and try to find me all that shit, but <laughs> I don't need the heat. Go after him. <laughs> typically I have found, you know, females tend to either take on the hobbies of their significant other because their significant other is their hobby or they don't have any at all. And it's just the family. Whereas men typically try to have hobbies or interests in these things. And so it's hard to rectify with my wife sometimes where she thinks that I should get reprieve and rejuvenated from an energy standpoint by being with the family when to me that's more of the work and the reminder of the things that I need to do because I want her to be her happiest. Whereas her happiest sometimes is just being in my presence, but that doesn't work for me because I'm, it's not how I recharge and you know, it, it's coming to terms with that while still trying not to disappoint her and all that kind of stuff. It, it just gets hard. It, it really does. And then the other thing that, that, that comes with that, the differences between men and women is men typically argue because we want a resolution. We want to come to some kind of understanding and solution so this argument doesn't happen again. Women tend to argue because they want to experience the argument. They want to experience the emotions and the representation of what, what the argument means. And that, that just is another emotional drain that, that, like, that you go through and you experience as, as a man or, you know, not all men, but not, not all women, but typically, you know. And so then I'm, I'm giving all this energy out and doing all this shit, and I just I never allow myself to recharge, and I, I really need to work on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's God. It, it's so true. Um, that is it, one of the biggest frustrations that I have is n <laughs> I'm always encouraging my wife to, hey, go do stuff with your friends or hey, go find a hobby. And I'll give her credit. She's done a great job. She's found a hobby. The the I think the the conflict comes in where I will defend my hobby. That's a line I draw in the sand where I'm like, this is untouchable. You will not touch this. You will not fuck with this. We, uh, I will fight you, you know, type of thing. Whereas she's like, Hey, I have my hobby. If I need to sacrifice that for right now, I will do so. And that's, that's where she and I differ 100%. And I, applaud her for that for the self-sacrifice but at the same time i go what the fuck are you doing jesus christ man have something for yourself so 
but she and the family are for herself too. Yeah, which is why she's okay with giving up the other thing. I know. The other thing's just an add-on. And for her. and then there's guilt that throws along with that with us because we go, nope. well, fuck. Why don't we think like that? We're right? just not wired that way. No, we're not. We're really not. So, oh my god, man, I could talk to you for four hours about this shit. <laughs> I could. I could. I, I have not solved your problems and you have helped me with mine. So I apologize for that. This is the kind of stuff that happened when I was on um, Joe Stark's podcast. Just to, to <laughs> throw in the ideas and it just it, it happens, right? You know? No, it's good shit though. I, I, these are problems that we all face. This is 100% true and it's 100% authentic. And... I, I wish people would be more honest about this. I wish and guys in particular, I'm looking at guys would be more honest about these things that, and these issues that we have to deal with as husbands, as fathers, because I, I think too many people want to put on that facade that they can handle this and they're okay with this and they don't need any help with this. That's bullshit. We all fucking well, need help with this. I think that some of the younger generations are, are going to, you know, have a better time of this than, than you or I, because if, and I never understood it until probably like a couple of months back, toxic masculinity in movies. We have, we <laughs> have been subconsciously told that we need to be tough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and we, we pay the, we pay the price for it. We really, really do. And a lot of that has kind of disappeared from the movies and has changed from the movies. And so I'm hoping that with, you know, the, I don't want to call it sissification, but the, uh, the emotional acceptance that some of these people that are younger than I am, um, have that this might not be something that is here forever for as many people. No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, we, we all want to maintain, you know, certain archetypes that, uh, you know, have been drilled into our head, but at the same time, we, we want to be pragmatic about how we do things. And we want to be able to be open to different situations and different ways of thinking. And it's going to have to be a blend of, of everything. It, it can't just be one or the other. So, and of course, I'm uh, not smart enough or sober enough right now to come up with the answers for all of that. But I think we've made progress. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank I'd say so. Well, thank you. Self-reflection, even even just having the sounding board, Josh helps a lot. That's why I'm here. That's why I do this show. That's what therapy time is for, is to, you know, bring up these issues, have a nice discussion about them, and if we come to a resolution where we can fix the world, great. If we can't, eh, we'll try again next week, right? Yeah. That's how it goes. I accept what I can, what I have accomplished today. And I understand that I cannot accomplish everything in one day. Goddamn right, sir. But Hey, we can have some fun, right? You want to have some fun? Let's have some fun, please. Let's do a thing. All right. Hey, Rodney. Hello. In various states, there are some things, some laws that are still on the books that would blow your fucking mind. Now, some of the stuff I'm going to talk about this evening, these may be laws on the books. However, rarely are they enforced. 
but it's just by matter of procedure that they haven't been thrown out. So let's dive down the path of interesting laws in various states. Hey, did you know it's illegal to seduce and debauch an unmarried woman in the state of Michigan? Who would want to do that to a woman from Michigan anyways? Wow. Shots fired. <laughs> I, I, it's cold up there. I don't know anybody from Michigan, but uh, I'm sure the ladies are, are fine. So an archaic law in Michigan, which has been on the book since 1931, states that any man who shall seduce and debauch any unmarried woman shall be guilty of a felony. If found guilty, the man can be punished with up to five years in the state prison or fined or Jesus, or a fine of not more than $2,500. Being such an imprecise law, it's rarely used, but lawyers have used it as a loophole to protect their clients from stronger tar- charges. <laughs> charges. Like I rape, I guess? So instead of getting charged with rape, we'll take this debauchery yeah, one? That's the only... Like, but that's shitty. Yeah, it sounds like a massive cop-out. Massive, massive cop out. And I, you know, I'm a fan of of debauchery. I I love debauchery. So I don't think I'm going to do well in Michigan. So here's, go ahead. It makes me think about that California thing that they tried to use that app for consent. You remember that from years back? No. I think it was in California. Oh my God. It's got to be five-ish years ago. They were trying to use an app consent to decrease you know the forced sexual experience and that kind of stuff so you'd be hooking up with somebody and before you'd proceed you'd both hop on an app and sign uh, sign some type of of, uh, of words or hard so you would sign some type of agreement that you're good consent form there yeah, we go. swipe left for the D, swipe right for no D. <laughs> that's that's kind of genius if it wasn't for the fact that most of us are shit faced when we jump on that. But okay, fair enough. I don't. I'm not sure how that would be legally binding. Was oh, it, especially now with the facial recognition, you just hold the face right, the phone, and right. swipe it for them. Right, yeah, it doesn't change anything. Look, she's right there. What do you say, sweetie? Yeah, no, not going to work. So, hey, in Utah, marrying your cousin gets complicated, as well it should. Whether or not you can marry your cousin in the United States varies from state to state. Marriages between first cousins are illegal in 25 states. Good. And legal in 20. What the fuck? Oh, my God. In the remaining states, it gets more complicated. In Utah, for example, first cousins may legally marry only if they are at least 55 years old and can prove to a state judge that one of them cannot procreate. Alternatively, first first cousins can wait until they're both at least 65, in which case they can marry without permission. What the fuck? Can you imagine going before a judge at what is it, the age of fifty-five, and going, "Hey, I, I want to marry my cousin. My plumbing doesn't work. Can here's some paperwork. I, I, I can't procreate anymore. Can I marry my cousin now? I can't make, you know, hills have eyes, people, so I can marry my cousin. Right. Ugh. Yeah, my cousin's not that hot. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. 
Moving on, it's technically illegal to flirt in New in Haddon Township, New Jersey. All right. The general legislation of Haddon Township, New Jersey seems to suggest that flirting is illegal. Under the section Peace and Good Order, a person may be punished for approaching any person of the opposite sex unknown to such a person and by word, sign, or gesture attempts to speak to or to become acquainted with such person against his or her will. While this law seeks to punish objectionable actions such as sexual harassment and catcalling, it can technically be seen as prohibiting harmless flirting. So tread carefully, boys. Be careful. I don't know. I, I have a hard time disagreeing with that because, um, yeah, guys can be douches. And, oh, uh, yeah, it's in, yeah, yes, tons, tons and tons of douchebags out there. However, we're, we're, you know, not that bad. Well, most of us are not that bad. But, you know, whatever. I don't want to go to jail for flirting with somebody. Now, granted, the fact that I'm married means that I cannot flirt with anybody anymore. I can be complimented, but I cannot flirt. But hey, let's talk about... My wife te- tells me all the time that I'm oblivious when somebody's flirting with me. Oh, 100%. I'm right there with you. I have no idea. Well, we'll you know, pre-COVID, the wife and I would go out to dinner and she'd, you know, point out, hey, that waitress was flirting with you. And I'm just sitting there going, what the fuck are you talking about? No, no, no. She was really into you. Really? I, I don't see it. Hey, waitress, are you into me? Because I really need that for my ego. It's validation. I get the, you better not tip her well, because she's been flirting with you all night. <laughs> right? I gave her 20%, honey. I'm sorry. She thought I was handsome. Let's talk about Texas. Jesus. In Texas, the possession of more than six dildos is prohibited. Mm. A Texas statute known as the Obscene Device Law declares it a crime to possess six or more obscene devices or identical or similar obscene articles. These infernal devices include dildos, So in Texas, you can legally own more guns and display them in public than you can sex toys, as some dildo-wielding campaigners have pointed out. How many dildos do we really need? That's not a question for me, I would say. I cannot argue one way or the other for a quantity number. But I think in Eurotrip, there was a power (laughs) tool with at least six on there. So that one tool would be outlawed, or is that different because they're attached to the tool? Where's where's the line drawn? Honestly, sir, my answer to that question is as many as they need. <laughs> Anybody. I don't I don't care. You know what? When it comes to inanimate objects, whatever you need. All right. If you need to be quadruple plugged and that makes you happy, you're not hurting anybody else, fine. I'm fine with that. So Texas, get on your shit. There's a lot of other things we need to talk about Texas, but we're not going to get into that tonight. Hey, let's go to North Carolina. And I promise I'll read this more thoroughly. In North Carolina, it's illegal to live with a partner if the couple is unmarried. 
I can honestly say that is the dumbest thing ever. North Carolina is one of five states to have an illegal cohabitation law. The state's laws of fornication and adultery state, if any man and woman not being married to each other shall lewdly and lavishly, oh, I love that word, lavishly, associate, bed and cohabit together, they shall be guilty of a class two misdemeanor. Holy fucking shit. Are we actually trying to promote uh, not test driving the car before we buy it? I Is that is that Bible Belt territory still? Nebraska? Like, the, the last one was North Carolina, right? Oh, shit. Let me... That's sorry. Sorry, people in Nebraska. Yes, North Carolina. Oh, God. That's... Uh, that's a Bible Belt thing to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it feels that way. I mean, geographically, I don't know if an argument can be made, but... How uh, many Confederate flags are flying down there, I'll have to uh, look that up, that one up. But yes, that's um, that's insanity. That is completely antiquated thinking. We're gonna tick. We're we're gonna kick the tires before we light the fires, kids. I mean, that's that's bottom line. I I I'm all for purity and whatever the fuck else you want to subscribe to. But I am, <laughs> if it's gonna come to a a person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life living with. I'm going to figure out what that's like before I commit to that. that. That falls into that area, too, of why the fuck is the government telling me what to do with my relationships? Agreed, sir. Again, these are why these are not enforceable at all. But, hey, let's move on to Mississippi, shall we? Because shit can only get worse in Mississippi, right, sir? They, they're doing stuff with their cousins, aren't they? We do have, you know, uh, listeners in Mississippi. So, um, yeah, whatever. So they're all wholesome and nice people. Kind of, sort of, but not really. But I, I don't know. Uh, hey, don't te- attempt to teach anybody about polygamy in Mississippi. If you want to explain to someone what polygamy is all about, it's best not to do it in Mississippi. It's illegal in the state to teach Another, the doctrines, principles, or tenets of any of them, of or any of them of polygamy. Doing so could result in a $500 fine and up to six months in jail. What if you're trying to teach them that it's not a great idea to be a polygamist? It's the same idea of playing video games is going to make you violent and go out and shoot people. If, if you teach them, they'll they'll go out and do this thing. But if polygamy is bad, is polyamory okay? Because you're not technically married? Excellent question. Loophole. Loophole. If you want to take the time to be married to multiple individuals and you're, you have the mental capacity to put up with that, good luck. Have fun. Drink Pepsi. Whatever the hell. Right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure marriage was invented for money's sake by by the church. <laughs> Back in uh, the day and paying the government for licenses and stuff, it was just like for revenue. It's not something that's always existed. It's an interesting concept. 
but I mean, I'm married, obviously. So. Oh, as am I. As am I. And at times, you sit there and go, "What was this institution created for?" I don't know. But hey, let's. I have a problem with common law marriage because you can't tell me as the government because I've been living with this woman for ten years that I'm married to her if I didn't make that decision. Now, if you're just using it to give her my stuff, that's fine when I'm dead. But I don't like the idea that you're now telling me that legally I'm married. I I can't argue with that. However, I will say for any woman that has been romantically involved with me, if they put up with me for X amount of time, they deserve half of whatever I have. I, I, I will say that because God bless them because no one else will. <laughs> I, I suppose so many u.s states still have laws against adultery and fornication many countries such as the united kingdom no longer consider adultery a criminal offense about time although it can still be used as grounds for divorce fair enough the same can't be said for many states in the U.S. where 18 states make sexual acts illegal if at least one of the people involved is already married. What the fuck? <laughs> in Idaho, for example, an adulterer could face a fine of up to $1,000 or three years in prison. Six states, Idaho, Illinois, Massachusetts, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Utah all states I will never go to still have fornication laws, which basically decree all forms of non-marital sex illegal. No, thank you. Yeah, nope. Nope. <laughs> What's the name of Jordan Peele's next movie? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm out. I'm 100% out. <laughs> and finally... In South Carolina, a false promise of marriage can land you in jail. Promising someone you'll marry them with no intention of following through is a low move. What does that mean? But getting sent to prison for doing so seems a bit harsh. That's how it is in South Carolina, where seduction under promise of marriage is a misdemeanor punishable with a fine or imprisonment for up to a year. That is not a felony. You are in jail, not prison. Wow. So, gents, uh, don't tell them that you love them just to get them into bed. And don't promise uh, that you're going to marry them just because you knocked out their anal cherry. It's not going to work. <laughs> right? Nope. Nope. Hey, Jordan Peele, what's the name of your movie? Nope. No, can't do that. I can see that conversation. Jordan Peele, do you have a name picked out for this movie? Nope. Nope. I know. And it just stuck. Right. It just it just sat there and they're like, oh, well, this is this is great. Let's let's use this. So what I love about this is that none of the states mentioned in this article are states that I live in. And I'm happy about that. Nor have yeah. I, nor have I you lived have in any of them. Nice state yet, so we're okay. Excellent, excellent. So you're you're safe. We're both happily married men, but we also don't want to look back and go, "Hey, is there something that I can be charged with that maybe the statute of limitations has not 
exceeded at this point. Mm. Am I allowed to have these 10 dildos? <laughs> exactly. Where do cock rings fit in on this? I, I, I don't know. I, I need I, I need answers. But is it just dildos? Do cock rings? What? Oh, Jesus Christ. What about anal beads? Does that count? Mm, I guess don't cut them. Don't cut them short. Texas, I, I need I need answers to these questions because you've got a lot of really fucked up rules that you need to fucking pull your heads out of your asses and figure your lives out. But anyways, that's Texas. So, sir, shall we uh, go to the kid's corner? Oh, I have a, it's a thing. Oh, you have a thing. I'm Jesus Christ. What is your thing, sir? Please. So are you familiar with the game Final Fantasy seven? I may have heard of it. Yes, I am. Okay. So you understand the MCU and the multiverse that they're trying to build. Correct. I know things. Yes. Okay. So in 2002, there was a thing called the Final Fantasy House. And I'm probably not going to do the best job. You can watch a very interesting video called Down the Rabbit Hole, and they cover the Final Fantasy House. But in this Final Fantasy House, there was a group of, of women in their early 20s um, that believed that they were reincarnations of Final Fantasy characters, that Final Fantasy characters existed in another universe. Uh, I, I'm sorry, what? Yes, there's a group of people that believe that video games that are created are actually other universes that exist oh. and that they could be reincarnations of these fucking things. Oh, God, what a lovely world that would be. So these women met a young man who was transgender and going through a tough time with his family on a forum back in the early 20, 2000s, 2002-ish. And they approached him, explaining to him that they felt that he had the characteristics of one of these fucking characters. And that he, if he wanted to, he can come spend the summer with them. So this poor, unfortunate individual mo quit college, went to live with these people for the summer. It was a borderline cult with uh, nasty living environments. They basically slaved this poor boy into doing housework and stuff. Um, they tried to force him to fornicate with an, a female that they said was another character from the video game and all kinds of crazy, crazy things. They even stole, stole this poor man's shoes because he had to provide for them so that they could be unemployed. Jesus God. Wow. Again, that's the abridged version of the story. If you're interested, down the rabbit hole on YouTube. Excellent video. The Final Fantasy House. I'm going to need the link to that video. My comment to that is... Uh, it would be nice to be able to... I don't know if... Subscribe to these particular ideas... I'll go with subscribe. It, it would be nice to be able to have a belief in some of these ideals and not have it turn to something sinister. Yes. Are, are they out of touch with reality? Of course they are. Are they dreaming? 
about a reality where they have more happiness and control over their lives. Of, of, of course they are. And God, who hasn't fallen asleep at night and had a dream where they're just sitting there living in an alternate reality where it's so much better than what you have. I, I get that. I get that. But I know that when I wake up in the morning, I look at it and go, well, that was a great dream. I loved it. And now it's back to reality. But there are some people that will take advantage of that and run with it. And in this case, whoa, God. I know you're not an anime guy and Final Fantasy VII kind of runs in that, it, that it, area. It does, but I, I'm not ignorant of it. I Yeah, it's no, no. just not my so, thing. But if we talk about acceptance in like the early 2000s, it was really, really low. And so like this, this poor kid, he's having sexual identity issues, having issues with his family in college, trying to figure out what he's supposed to do with his fucking life, has this this hobby and interest that is not liked by the masses at that time in the United States, probably was teased by it, finds a group of people that like it like he does, and he gets sucked into this bullshit where it's borderline cold activity that makes make him, makes him be slave labor, take all his money, and fucking even steal his goddamn shoes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fuck people. Fuck them all. But I, I sent you that leak. Enjoy. The The gentleman that presents does a better job than me. Mine is an abridged version of it. That's, that's okay. I, I appreciate it. I, I wish we could... God, I wish we could all make these assumptions that turn out to be mistakes in a safe manner to where people do not take advantage of us in a harmful way so that we can learn from our mistakes. And unfortunately, that's not the case in this fucking world. Yeah, that was basically forced role play. Yeah. And, oh my God, cold behavior. It, it just is horrendous and it's unfortunate for this yeah, young man. Because there's always somebody that wants to take advantage of the situation. There's somebody that has, you know, the ability to... You know, it somehow profit from that type of situation, and it it fucking sucks, man. It it takes away the ability for any of us to to dream or to have fantasies about anything. Because you know what, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Superman, and luckily it was a very slow progression of failures and realities that you know, came along that convinced me that I was never going to be Superman. But luckily I never fell into a trap where someone was able to take advantage of me and force me into indentured servitude. It makes it hard to, as a parent to kind of have your children enjoy their innocence, but at the same time, know you have to protect them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want them to explore. I want them to try new things. I, I want them to, experience failure because it, it it does create an environment of growth but in in these times you can't do that because that failure they're they're not allowed the opportunity to rebound from it they just get fucking crushed take advantage taken advantage of and next thing you know they're doing triple anal on you know fucking video and it's being sent out over the internet so fuck yeah right right
Then they have a documentary like Pamela in a couple of years. <laughs> it all goes round, baby. My dad never loved me. He never supported me. So I ended up with three dicks in my ass and vagina. Oh, God. I know that's going to happen. Fuck. <laughs> Jenna Jameson has a terrible story about being raped and stuff and forced, and that's how she got into her shit. I was a huge fan of Jenna, too, and that died when that story came out. Ugh, God. You know, it's like you can't trust your porn stars anymore because <laughs> they've had a... Be- yeah, they've all been abused. So, yeah, it's a no-win scenario. Nothing you can do about it. Hey, Rodney. Yes, sir. Thank you for uh, for rolling and adapting and coming on with incredibly short notice. I do appreciate it. No problem, my friend. Are you going to cut out my kid's corner now? First, you weren't going to let me do that thing, and now you're going to cut out my kid's corner? Oh, well, fuck. By popular demand, ladies and gentlemen, here it comes. Daddy, I don't like Star Wars. <laughs> Avengers are boring. Welcome to the kid's corner. It's all yours, buddy. Go. Extinct Go. is a terrible movie. Do not waste your time on this film, this terrible, terrible movie. It, it it's, it's a story about these two cats that look like donuts that belong to a race of cat donut people. I forget what they're called because the movie is so fucking terrible. Um, they accidentally go back in time to find this cute puppy dog who is the pet of a scientist who travels through these wormholes with these stupid-ass plants that make no goddamn sense. And it turns out that in the future, they're extinct. Then you find out through the plot of the story after you meet a dodo bird and some other bullshit that the dog is the one that killed them in the first place. He went and blew up the, the volcano that they lived on and killed them all because he did not like them because he wanted dogs to be man's best friend. The end. Movie is garbage. I know you were speaking English there, but the words that you put together did not compute within my mind <laughs> the movie is that awful that is batshit nuts and then on top of it you i'm used to like because i have kids and i'm used to watching all these kids movies right and there's yeah. some level of um music and things that go on in the background that bring the story to life this is a a tone deaf movie there is very few music the music feels off it's just it just does not sit right. There's no appropriate score or any of that shit. And I don't know if it's because it's set in China and I think it might have been a Chinese original first and then changed to English and maybe the music they didn't want to carry over or whatever. But it's awful. I felt uncomfortable watching it from just listening to it and listening to what's going on and then the story made no sense. Well, here's the fucked up part. The cast on this is kind of ridiculous you got adam devine and uh rachel bloom ken jong is in this zazie beats is fucking in this jim jeffries Catherine o'hara reggie watts fucking henry winkler alex borstein benedict wong don't Rick, let it fool you. Richard Kind, fucking Nick Frost, and John Lovitz. Jesus Christ. This is a good cast. Yes, the, the cast does not save the movie. 
the lines and the the character act like they're fine. That's not the problem. The problem is the plot, the the story. It just makes zero sense. I hate time travel that does time travel wrong. I and then on top of that, the the lack of music. The only adult joke was the one that I told you earlier, but other than that, it is not worth it is not worth the watch. Make sure you have something playing on 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 your phone in your ear while while your children watch this because you're not going to enjoy it. Oh, I I have I have a game on my phone that I play whenever I'm not interested in what I'm watching. But wow, why would all of these kind of top tier? I'm gonna call them top tier. These really top tier celebrities get involved with this nonsense. COVID Netflix deals. Okay. <laughs> that's that that's my guess touche sir touche nope you, you hit it you're gonna write me a check to just speak into a microphone right. at my house done and what sucks is i love rachel bloom i i am a huge fan of my crazy ex-girlfriend she is massively talented super underrated and i hate it when she does dumb shit like this granted i need to watch it i'm going off of your you know, review of it, but it just sounds to me like another project that she should not have gotten involved with. Like Trolls 2 World Tour. Holy fuck was that awful. Yeah, the like the the three main characters are Rachel Bloom, Adam Devine, and Ken Jong. Everybody else is just bit three, four lines here and there and that's it. It's unfortunate. But the whole aspect of uh you know animals that are shaped like donuts really kind of creeps me the fuck out they even do a skeleton representation of that what yeah they go to a museum jesus christ that's like looking at the kool-aid man in skeletal form which we've all seen we've all seen the meme it's horrifying they try to do a lot of sight gags with things flying through their stomachs and getting stuck in their stomachs and whistling with their stomachs which makes no sense because there's no air pressure to cause a whistle i it's it is not good so do they taste like donuts so there's a scene where they come to the modern world and they're in front of a donut shop and the dog tries to eat a donut in front of them and they freak out and it becomes like this big thing because they don't know what donuts are and then they eat a jelly donut and that's it thank god well i mean they addressed it but jesus that's I guess that's the equivalent of cannibalism at that point, right? But the, but they're not eating them. They're just eating donuts, like regular donuts. Okay. So it's weird. It's very weird. I'm confused, but that's okay. So what is your rating on this? Uh, can I give it a zero out of five? Of course. Zero out of five. Oh, my God. On this show, you you know, the, there was a debate back in the day between ta- Talon and I about giving zero. And uh, I, I'm of the mind that something can achieve a zero. It has to be exceptionally bad. And if you're saying it's a zero out of five, then, sir, that's a bad fucking movie. I've seen some awful kid shit. Right, kid shit, right. But we, this is worse. There's no, there's no musical redemption. There's no quippy dialogue. There's no adult humor hidden in the background. None of it. I am so happy I did not watch this. Ugh, I've watched it twice now. I'm so sorry. I, I, unfortunately, 
work schedule, everything else, did not have time this week, and fuck, I feel like I won. You did. As Char- I definitely didn't. As Charlie C- Sheen would say, winning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Nope. I, I appreciate you, <laughs> as Jordan Peele would say, nope. I I appreciate you uh, taking the hit. Yes, to the head. You're, you're <laughs> you will be remembered as a patriot, my friend. Not worth it. Not worth it. Not worth it. It's not worth it. I don't. That title ain't worth shit. That's okay. I'll send you a plaque. I promise. Okay. I won't hold my breath either. There you go. All right, sir. Well, again, thank you for coming on with such short notice. And I apologize for not being prepared uh, for the kids corner, but uh, I, I appreciate your candor and God damn it. Uh, I'm, I'm almost thinking that we're going to promote you to the therapy time correspondent. <laughs> as long as you call me Asian reporter, Trisha Takanawa. <laughs> done if that for those of you who don't know that's a family guy reference. if that no no no, no, no. Don't, don't, don't don't fucking do the work for them make them look that up jesus christ come on well i don't need to be labeled a sexist and a racist in one episode why it's it's fun <laughs> <laughs> they don't know who you are they just know yeah. you, is rodimus prime yeah. or or Hot rod. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, talking saucy to me this late in the evening. Hey, fella. So yeah, no, I I, I thank you for coming on, and it, you've been great. And I'm sorry that I could not get you on here sooner. Folks, go back and listen to the lost episode, which never happened. And I'm just being a cock tease at this point, but. Uh, we talked about sweaty men in the jungle. Oh my god. We we did a we we did get most of the way into a review of Predators, which Rodney and I both love. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. We both have a thing for Adrian Brody. Big <laughs> and, schnoz. Oh my yeah. god. Big schnoz, big fucking wait, wait. auto so shotgun. If Brody lived in was it Texas? Is he only allowed to have five dildos because of his nose? Oh, shit. Right? That is dun, dun, dun. excellent question. Excellent question. But that 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 full auto shotgun. Oh, my God. So, yeah. so good. So good. So that means I got to bring you back now so we can talk about Predators. Hell, yeah. Yes. And don't worry about. Yeah, I'm it. down for a three way too. If you, if you, if uh, oh, you know, oh, all things align. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have you on. Mike, Mike will love you because you can f- fix Mike and his problems too better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's gonna listen to this and be jealous. Oh, he already texted me this evening saying he missed me, <laughs> and, I, and I, and I responded, I miss you too. I, I do miss Michael, but uh, yes, I we we will do a three way. There will be some three way action among us. But uh, so uh, final assessment of the uh, what did you call it? Buffalo what now? The what? Huh? Your, your drink, Buffalo. Oh, the Buffalo Trace. Yeah. What do you think uh, of that? Where you at? It's tasted better the more rum and coke I had in me. Oh. 
that's never a good sign. When you drank it, did you like, did you put uh, uh, ice in it or did you? Yeah, an ice cube. Yeah. Okay. And it just, it gives me that like tingle in the back of the throat, want to throw up feel. And it's just a bourbon, whiskeys, scotches. They all, they all make me feel that way. All right. You got to go, you got to try Irish. There's a little more sweetness to it for the most part. Now I have to be responsible. I would recommend. Oh God, here comes credibility. So as a starter, I would try uh, Clonakilty Port Cask. It's going to be in a red bottle. Shoot me a shoot me a message with it. I will shoot you a message with it, but try that. I think that's a very good um, starter Irish whiskey. It's very smooth. the The difference between a, a bourbon and an Irish whiskey, Irish whiskey is much smoother going down. You go, you don't get that punch in your balls uh, after you've taken a swig of it. That sounds much better to me. Yes. So try an Irish. I will send you a link so that you can see what I'm talking about. I'm always more of like a blackberry brandy guy. Like I love a good brandy. Okay. You like the sweeter end of things and, and, and that's fine. And Irish whiskey tends to skew a little bit on the more caramel side of things. However, if you're looking for much more sugary, yes, you're going to have to dive into areas that I typically don't go into. So there, there is that, but, um, I can help you. I'm here for you that if I can help you in any way, shape or form, it will be with your alcohol consumption. Cause that's what I promote. It, it, it makes it worse too, cause I don't drink all that often. So no. when I do, it's not like I have like a flavor tolerance. Right. I, I want you to have something that you enjoy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I, I want you to have your uh, your equivalent to uh, two gingers, which always makes me happy. So, anywho, let's end this motherfucker. Rodney, thank you. No problem. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I've had a blast with you. It's about goddamn time I've gotten you on the show. And, uh, there almost will, a full year. It's We're been almost a full, a full year. You you will be on again, and you will be on whether Mike's here or not. We we will have you back on again. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, and we will uh, talk about something other than uh, Batman, uh, uh, just horrific Batman content. I promise. Yes, please, dear Jesus. All right. Well. If you want to get a hold of us and critique me and or anybody else, don't critique Rodney. It's not his fault. Go ahead and reach out to us. It's contact at morallyflexiblepodcast.com. On Facebook, it's the Morally Flexible Podcast. On Twitter, it's at the Morally. 101 followers by now. There you go. Right? It's good stuff. Instagram, morally underscore flexible underscore podcast. And then, of course, it's anchor.fm forward slash morally flexible podcast. On behalf of myself and my wonderful guest host, Rodney, I will bid you adieu. Say goodnight, Rodney. Good night.